Right, they were the moral majority. They, they they were there to hold politicians to a higher standard. As society's sense of goodness deteriorated at the hands of ever more violent video games and ever more lascivious television shows, they remained rooted to some unchanging, incorruptible principles that would shield them from the moral degradation of the world around them. And yet, when the nation faced an actual moral dilemma, one that even conveniently lined up with all their little silly left-behind prologue symbolism shit, theirs was and remains the least ethical response. If I may be so bold as to quote from a future historian, or dare I say all the future historians, the fucking Trump presidency was a moral gauntlet for America, and it is a test that we largely failed. But no demographic failed quite like the self-proclaimed defenders of decency. When the least among us were in genuine danger, the disciples of Christ circled their wagons around the oppressors. When we teetered on the brink of civil immolation, the followers of the Prince of Peace sided with the guy fanning the fucking flames when the test came the moral majority turned out to be neither they're talking about your jesus interrupt this broadcast bring you a special news bulletin joining me for headlines tonight on the shave and a haircut to my two bits Heath Enright and Eli Posnick fellas are you ready to coax out Roger Rabbit? Two bits! Sorry. <laughs> oh, please use that as a code for sex with your partner. If we leave one thing behind on this earth, I want, are you ready to coax out Roger Rabbit as an innuendo to be it? <laughs> and also, don't forget, check out manscaped.com for that saving haircut. <laughs> oh, Offer code awful. Hey, by the way, the Roger Rabbit was a bit of a shout out for Jeffrey, a listener who, like myself, is celebrating 300 days without tobacco today. Nice. Good work. And on that, congratulations. We'll take a quick break for a word from our first sponsor this week, ZipRecruiter. Okay, so then Karen needs access to the mask station without walking past Heather's desk. Then I got to find a new guy for six feet away from there, but with access to the bin of Christian hypocrisy. Hey, Tony D, what you working on there? Oh, hey, Heath. I'm just trying to figure out how to hire someone from my various warehouses of topic-based comedy. Yeah. I mean, with all the new safety regulations in play, it could be a real hassle. I mean, look at this. Carol needs access to Tony D's house of convenient excuses and minority sidekicks, but she needs to be six feet away from Kyle, who needs the sidekicks and Christian karate warehouse. Wow. Yeah, that sounds tough for for you. Why don't you just try ZipRecruiter.com? What's ZipRecruiter.com? ZipRecruiter sends your job to over a 100 of the web's leading job sites. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, they scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter makes hiring efficient and effective with features like screening questions to filter candidates and an all-in-one dashboard where you can review and rate your candidates. In fact, they're so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter Get a quality candidate within the first day. One day. Wow. Glandage? That's right, Tony D. Glandage. And right now, if you want to try ZipRecruiter for free, our listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-C-A-T-H-I-N-G. ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing, huh? Yep. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. Thanks, Heath. Now, how about a great deal on some Christian karate for you? I'm listening. And now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, in flu d'etat news, nice. God <laughs> gave Donald Trump COVID and also cured his COVID asterisk. 
boo gone. Yeah. Sounds a lot like a welfare state to me, but the president was okay with it this one time. The health insurance was provided by the U.S. government. Hmm. The medicine was provided by the scientists he ignores and lies about. Hmm. Yep. And none of the medicine was hydroxychloroquine or photons or bleach, <laughs> even though that would have been the greatest doctor prank in the history of the world. <laughs> Side note, super sad that doctor prank isn't really a thing very often. Like, I get it. Good for ethics, but it's bad for comedy. Yeah. That needs to be more of a thing. And, and in this specific case, bad for the world. Yeah, too. no bad so, for also. ethics as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, despite all of the medical care provided by science and the communist American taxpayer, Donald Trump, declared the entire process a miracle. Jesus. Yeah, I remember that part of the Bible where Lazarus is standing in the Times Square telling people not to let death ruin their lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God's like, sorry, guys, I I thought it would teach him humility. I Looking back, that seems naive, especially for an omniscient That's on me. deity. That's on My me. bad. Obviously. So... Trump was at Walter Reed Medical Center over the weekend, and at some point he, he made him set up a special Twitter studio for for him to make a video statement yeah. to put on Twitter. And these are the exact words from the president. Quote, if you look at the therapeutics, which I'm taking right now, some of them and others are coming out soon that are looking like, frankly, they're miracles if you want to know the truth. I wouldn't be watching a video of you if that's what we wanted, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. They're miracles. Continuing. People criticize me when I say that. Yep, we do. That's fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. There that's you right go. Here. That was the correct part of that. <laughs> Continue one more time. But we have things happening that look like they're miracles coming down from God. So I just want to tell you that I'm starting to feel good. End quote. If miracles from God look like a nerd in an N95 mask handing you a Z-Pack, even though they know they shouldn't, we would believe in them. Okay? That's not what miracles from God look like. Yeah, and just to be clear, Trump is feeling good because he got pumped full of steroids. Right. <laughs> For now. But, by the way, that's the stuff God invented because baseball is fucking boring. <laughs> um, yep. Didn't really change anything on the baseball front, but it's a medicine too sometimes. So yeah, he's got well, yeah. Because if Trump's personality was missing anything, it was roid rage. Yeah. <laughs> well, regardless, here's the important takeaway from the president of the United States. He thinks the coronavirus is totally beatable, and everyone should stop worrying about it. Just make sure you got your helicopter ready to fly you to Walter Reed Medical Center, mm -hmm. and yeah, sure. make sure you have health insurance that doesn't get taken away by the addition of another libertarian theocrat on the Supreme Court, and then pray for a miracle, all that stuff, you're all set. <laughs> I know I'll be praying for the lives of those COVID cells in the West Wing. Because I'm pro-life on this one. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah, not to put too fine a point on it, but Trump beat COVID while 200,000 other Americans didn't is our slam dunk argument for atheism. Everything else <laughs> on today's show is glitter. It's glitter, people. And in my power is super spreading news. Regular listeners to the show might be familiar with the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, also known as Christian 
Hogwarts. I, I would go so far as to say desperately known as Christian <laughs> Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but just in case you're new around these parts, uh, hi, I'm Eli, kind of the darling of the show. Anyways, Bethel is the Christian school that attendees of Liberty University get to make fun of. We've reported <laughs> on their student activities over the years, like trying to walk through walls using Christian magic. Or and hurting themselves. <laughs> yep, and hurting themselves real bad. Or sucking up Christian magic by lying on graves. Mm -hmm. And hurting themselves. And hurting themselves, yeah. yeah. And as will come as a surprise to nobody, they've got a whole fucking bunch of COVID. <laughs> How much COVID? How lie? much COVID, you ask? Thank you, <laughs> Keith. According to the school, they have some Ish. Cool. Is he, Good to know. Yeah. In Shasta County, California, where the school is located, there have been nearly 100 COVID cases among people in their 20s over the past two weeks. Jesus. However, the other two major colleges in the area have only reported eight cases total. So when they were asked how many cases Bethel had, they replied, quote, a portion of the new cases in Shasta County have been amongst our students and staff. So we are taking swift action under the guidance of public health to minimize additional spread, end quote. Oh, no actual details. How presidential of them. But honestly, this shouldn't surprise anybody who knows about this school. I mean, one of their preachers has already publicly denied the severity of COVID. And let's not forget that at the very start of the epidemic, local hospitals had to send students home who kept sneaking in to cure people with their magic powers. Yep. Yeah. They try to walk through the wall of the hospital room and hurt themselves, <laughs> yep. and they had to go home. Mm -hmm. Because at this point, Christianity might as well be listed as COVID's number one comorbidity. Right. And in Stand Back and Stand Corrected news tonight. Fantastic. <laughs> in one of the best bits of trolling since Planting Peace put their rainbow-colored equality house across the street from Westboro Baptist Church, Gay men across the world took to the internets in the past week to reclaim hashtag Proud Boys. This is such good work. <laughs> so that the racist, sexist, homophobic, scrotal fungus that use that very same name get to scroll through plenty of gay dudes being very gay when they're searching out for their uh, xenophobia fix. You know, for a white supremacist group based on rejected Aladdin songs, these guys have some confusing <laughs> triggers, right? Confusing. <laughs> So if you weren't familiar with the Proud Boys before last Tuesday's debate, you suddenly became so when Schmuckle Orange told the SPLC-listed hate group to stand back and stand by right before ominously musing about how some organized group of some sort should do something about Antifa and the left. You know, the whole left. And if you weren't familiar with them before, it also means you probably missed that video where the asshat tries to tear that gay poster at the Pride Parade. So <laughs> yes! you need to take a minute and rectify that. We'll wait. He's <laughs> like, all right, get ready for my big, impactful tearing display. Here we go. Mm, nope, hurt my hand. Okay. <laughs> I, gotta, I just, I just got to get it started with a bike. No, nope. What is this made of? Kevlar? What is happening? But yeah, after Trump... Now, infamously refused to condemn the group. George Takei, of being awesome fame, suggested flooding their hashtag with pictures of gay men, quote, doing very gay things, end quote. And a quick perusal through Twitter will show the fervency with which the gay community and their allies took up the call. And in my opinion, this is exactly how we deal with these assholes, right? Like, never take your eye off how dangerous and poison they are, but also do so without giving them the notoriety that they so desperately crave. 
no matter how much of a threat they become, they will always still be nothing but the butt of the joke. Excellent work. Hijacking a hashtag. Love it. Well done. And in forced birth of a nation news, (laughs) during, during the debate with Joe Biden last week, Donald Trump said, we don't know Amy Coney Barrett's position on Roe v. Wade. So, first of all, yes, the fuck we do. You're an we idiot. Do. Yeah. <laughs> She's a forced birtherist Catholic fundamentalist. We do know that. That's obvious. But I guess Trump, uh, maybe he was using the royal we. He meant he, we, royal, oh, doesn't know yeah. her position. And um, that's a, it's a weird thing to not know about the person you're nominating for the Supreme Court for her entire lifetime. Well, it, Trump excels at weird things not to know. That, you, you know what? He's the best at that. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Well, fortunately for Trump, while he's lying in bed struggling to breathe, it's, <laughs> it's super tragic to struggle <laughs> having him right now. <laughs> I feel so bad. Oh, man. He's just wheezing and he can barely, he's scared. But while that's happening, <laughs> he can have Melania read him one of the many news reports this week about the very clear anti-choice propaganda statement that Barrett signed in 2006. Or, you know, he could have asked her before giving her a 40-year spot in the highest court of the land. I'm just throwing this out there. Right, or he could have counted her kids. There are so many ways to know. (laughs) So the statement that Barrett signed was part of a two-page ad in the South Bend Tribune and claimed... The right to life from fertilization to natural death. So that's pretty fucking clear on that position. Yep. Depending on its location, come as a person. Also, menstruation is murder. <laughs> and death with dignity should be illegal was also implied by that. Yep. And just for the record, the group that made the propaganda ad also believes that in vitro fertilization should be illegal. Jesus fucking what the Christ. Fuck said that? I have no idea how you get to Whatever. And... Just in case Donald still hasn't pieced together Barrett's position on abortion, that statement also called for, quote, an end to the barbaric legacy of Roe v. Wade, exact words. So uh, let's go ahead and get ready for a giant lie about Barrett's case-by-case non-opinion at yeah. confirmation hearings. Right. Mm. I mean, that's if we bother with questions. I, I hear McConnell's actually planning to do it like, drive-through COVID testing. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the Kushner version of that, which is where you say you're going to do it and then don't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That sounds about right. <sighs> and one other detail, just in case anyone missed it, she's in a Catholic nesting cult. She's <laughs> part of a cult inside of the cult of Catholicism. People of praise is what it's called, and it's very clearly anti-choice. Also, they very literally believe they can... Heal the dead back to life. Yes, they do. That's a real thing. They're just batting zero this whole time. Like, they're definitely magical, though. They're just in a slump <laughs> forever well, on that. For, forever so far. <laughs> Maybe they'll get a chance with the president. But, Donald, if you're looking for another solid resource about the person you already nominated, <laughs> it's a good time to do a little research on that right now. Yeah. You can check out the website for People of Praise. They actually tried to make that impossible by erasing the internet recently and <laughs> removing all the content about Amy Coney Barrett, but eh, that's not how the internet works. Also, <laughs> even if that was how it works, 
They just made it worse. Like, now I'm just assuming there was a video of her screaming homophobic slurs very proudly at a Walmart manager. Like, <laughs> best case scenario from your asshole perspective, people appraise, you erased what I'm now assuming. Yeah, right. So that's nothing. Well, and based on the last confirmation hearing, that's not disqualifying behavior for a Supreme Court justice as long as Hillary Clinton is that Walmart manager. You just got to get Hill Dog in the mix. And in another one bites the dust news. New York State's Diocese of Rockville Center raped so many children that even though they own tremendous amounts of tax-free land and have taken in purely tax-free income since ever, this week they declared bankruptcy, making them the largest diocese to do so to date. Hooray. Okay, this is a giant mafia scam. Yeah. They pretend that each diocese is somehow a separate business so victims can't sue the fucking Vatican for the giant vaults of Nazi gold that they definitely have. But the top of the RICO chart has been the Vatican the whole time, fucking obviously. Also, did I mention they have Nazi gold? They, right, yeah. Kid rape and Nazi gold. What? Like, name the two worst things. Right. That's, it. That's the fucked up thing is that the Nazi gold is not the most incriminating thing in their vaults. No. no. I would say not top five. Not Pro top Probably five. not. Yeah. So, for the record, the Archdiocese has already paid out more than $62 million to approximately 350 sex abuse survivors just since 2017. Jesus. Thanks to a New York law that temporarily suspended the statute of limitations on those crimes. Well, this past August, that window was expanded to January because, I guess, New York State decided to give people a few more months to talk about the horrific abuse they suffered as a child. So the diocese, as a result, faces more than 200 further claims of abuse. Yeah, and I, I know we've talked about this before, but to be clear to the listeners at home, until there are no more raped kids awaiting justice was an option, right? That concept exists in New York, too. They went with January instead. Yeah, when they went with January. And while what can only be described as a child rape factory going bankrupt is a good thing for the world... This is actually probably a bad thing for the victims. So yeah. according to an attorney for 73 of them, bankruptcy will deny a jury trial to victims and limit their ability to unearth private documents through discovery. Plus, in some cases, plaintiffs could receive smaller financial settlements than they might have been awarded in a civil trial. Yeah, yeah. It's bankruptcy protection. That's that's yeah. the word that right. goes after yeah. that. And we're giving protection to child rape. I don't understand yeah. Yeah, but that's not the story the church is selling. According to Bishop John Barnes, quote, our goal is to make sure that all clergy sexual abuse survivors, and not just a few who were first to file lawsuits, are afforded just an equitable compensation, end quote. Not adding, which is why we've done literally every legal thing possible to make sure they don't get it. Right. Yeah. Right. Plus other stuff. This is a this is a franchise for the one of the largest landowners in the entire world. There's stuff to sue them for. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And in lost and font news tonight. You know, <laughs> nothing reminds you how hard religion is to take seriously quite as much as trying to take religion seriously. And we were reminded <laughs> of that over the summer when the Vatican's Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith overturned decades of baptism on a technicality, thus throwing the Catholic world into a very hard-to-take-seriously calamity. Oh, you such idiots. You missed it. The babies all over the world, they just magically dry up. <laughs> Curse you, doctrines of faith. 
Yeah. <laughs> Nobody ever expects them. So anyway, when you get <laughs> thank you. When you get baptized, there's a bit where the priest says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, yada yada. But starting in the late eighties, early nineties, some congregations went first person plural and started saying, We baptize you instead of I baptize you to emphasize how like, you know, the whole congregation was involved. But since these are actual magic words, you can't just change them. <laughs> or at least that's the contention of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, which declared that all baptisms performed with the offending pronoun be retroactively invalidated, which for some true believing Catholics means their loved ones are in hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it also means people are, like, bursting in the door of the priest's office yelling, like, did you use first-person singular plural for the yes, perfect spell? Right. serious. What did you use? <laughs> remember. Remember that. And they're, like, rewinding old camcorder tapes, watching in slow-mo, looking for the lip motion. Well, no, you said I did it. Uh, now we got to go to hell. Uh, makes you really feel for those folks whose priest has a lisp, right? just sitting next to him in church. Fuck, is he good or do we have to find the Holy Ghost? Like, what's <laughs> <laughs> Well, so an amazing example of one of those kicking through the door things that he was talking about comes to us from Detroit, where a Catholic preacher named Matthew Hood, whose baptism was recorded on video back in the 90s, turns out not to have been, like, officially actually baptized, which means, according to Catholicism, he's not technically a Christian, <laughs> which means... He's not technically a priest. <laughs> he was getting dumber, which means that everybody who ever confessed to him didn't technically get absolution. Not and, samurais, doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And since failing to treat this like a real thing would be a stark admission that they know it's entire bullshit, the archdiocese rushed out a notice explaining that while Hood did lack absolution powers or cracker transmogrifying powers so none of that shit counts he does still have baptism powers because even non-christians can technically do that otherwise you know there could never be like a first christian so assuming he didn't fuck up the pronoun his baptisms still count there's no way they piece that all together logically <laughs> and finally tonight in would you like a sandwich religion are you news jesus what? Christ. Dude, when they're that labored, feel free to just ask for an epidural first, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Much needed. You know, when you talk about how much God there isn't for a living, you tend to get the same questions over and over, like, what's a podcast? And my cousin has a used car lot. Do you want me to see if I can get you a job over there? Eli. Eli. Okay, right. But, but one of the religious apologetics we get all the time is that without religion, there wouldn't be any charity. Or at least there'd be way less of it. Not sure I understand the thinking. And we were reminded of what a fucking stupid argument that is this week when it was revealed that one of the only good government responses to COVID, the Farmers to Families Food Box Program, has been nearly fucked to death by religion. Wow. While they were helping COVID victims who weren't quite fucked to death by religion yet. Yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, little background here. Farmers to Families Food Box Program is a good idea. So the USDA has been using distribution networks already in place to buy farmers' produce, then arrange for it to be boxed and delivered to food banks and other nonprofits working to feed the hungry. Except some of those food banks and nonprofits are religious. And according to the food news outlet The Counter, 
they've been treating it like it was their turn to tell people in the Mad Maxiverse not to get addicted to water. <laughs> so, uh, look, we're talking about people that have managed to stay financially viable for hundreds and hundreds of years by hoarding salvation, <laughs> right? What the hell do we think was going to happen when we gave them something real? Yeah, obviously. So in addition to the usual corruption that was discovered, like contracts for ill-equipped companies, profiteering pricing schemes, uneven distribution, and punitive responses to negative feedback, it's also been reported that religious institutions are being allowed to just cram as much Jesus into each box of sandwiches that they want. Wow. According to a recent article from The Counter, quote, we found multiple instances in which churches promoted their own messages while distributing taxpayer-funded boxes in potential violation of USDA guidelines. Potential? Yep. Yeah. The issues range from relatively minor, like slapping church logos on each box, to more significant, apparently saving people at distribution sites, telling recipients the boxes are from God, and asking volunteers to pray in person for every single box recipient, end quote. And now Jesus wants you to do the truffle shuffle before you get it. Fuck you. <laughs> and now we're all going to lay hands on each other and all this food for pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe handle a few cobras, too, and then release them. It would be great. <laughs> yeah, and I want to point out that additionally, according to Hammett Meadow over at the Friendly Atheist, some religious distribution programs aren't even giving food to the needy. Instead, they're just implementing programs where people can come and take as much food as they like as long as they belong to that if church. If they change religion. Fuck! Yeah. So, next time someone talks to you about how great their church's local soup kitchen is, remind them that there are charities without a religious requirement that help people and that maybe, maybe, if we didn't let religion corner the market on helping, they'd be able to do their jobs a lot better. No shit. Gee, and with that reminder echoing in your ears, we're going to close out the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Jumanji. And when we come back, we'll stop being so nice. And if you buy both, I can throw the necklace in for free. That sounds great. I'll take them. Bleh. Oh, no, you don't. Hey, wait, who are you? It's me, Captain COVID, and I'm here to kill your business. Oh, no. I can't buy this stuff from you because now I can't leave my house. And I can't sell this stuff to you because I can't leave my house. Never fear. Stamps.com is here. Hooray! That's right. Thousands of small business owners have discovered the benefits of Stamps.com in recent months. They've been able to keep their businesses running and avoid the crowds at the post office, all from their own computers. No! That's right. With Stamps.com, you can print postage on demand and avoid going to the post office. And you'll save money with discounted rates you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com also offers UPS service with discounts up to 62% and no residential surcharges. And right now, our listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in scathing. That's Stamps.com. Enter scathing. Thanks, Stamps.com. I have been defeated. Hooray! 
Hey, podcast listeners, we got our 400th episode coming up next week, and we'd love it if you could be a part of it. We're looking for your favorite scathing atheist memory, whether that's something that happened on the show or something that happened to you when you were listening to the show or quoting it or forcing your shitty religious roommate to listen to it. Just record your story in MP3 or WAV format, keep it under 30 seconds, and email it to scathing400 at gmail.com. That's scathing400 at gmail.com. We're going to be including some of our favorites in next week's episode, unless they're all boring and shitty. And now, back to the show. You know, it was about this time last year when I turned to my friends and I said, hey, maybe we should put a cap on the number of insults we agree to do on the show for Vulgarity for Charity this year. And joining us tonight, 11 months into fulfilling that obligation, are two of the men who outvoted me on that from the Cognitive Dissonance podcast and, more importantly, Citation Needed, Tom Cecil. Welcome back. Thanks for having us, Noah. For, you know, so the ninth, happy to be 18th here. time is a charm. Eight, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're clearly we're more like, than halfway through. Exactly. Charming. So living on a prayer. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start out with one for you, Cecil. Panthera uh, of Thundercats fame, I do believe, would like a roast of the corn goblins of Indiana. Oh, okay. I can see how this could be confusing, but you got your taxonomy wrong here. Corn goblins are from Iowa. Meth ogres are from Indiana. <laughs> I can see why you would confuse the two. They both have green skin and they both think stand back and stand by is a condemnation. But what really, really differentiates them is the height. Corn goblins aren't as tall as the corn so they can hide in there and meth ogres need to be big enough to get the Sudafed off the top shelf. So it's a little, yeah, it's a little different. Nice. All right, Noah. I got a nice cheery one for you in return. Ingrid would like you to roast eating disorders. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cheery. Uh, eating disorders are great because the only thing better than a crippling and sometimes fatal psychological problem is coupling that with the complete inability of the rest of the world to take it seriously. Right. Oh, and, and by God. the way, apropos of nothing, if you ever say something like, uh, well, you don't look anorexic, that was the wrong thing to say. That's, I know it sounds like a compliment <laughs> in your head. Do an anorexic that sounds like you're fat. Just throwing that. I'm just getting like, just uh, Jesus fucking Christ, eating disorders. How the fuck are you even possible if evolution is a thing? I don't get it. <laughs> All right, Eli, uh, uh, Coral would like you to roast Marlon Bundo. That is uh, Mike Pence's rabbit. <laughs> I still just love that Marlon so much. Marlon Bundo, what a good roast. As Carl the Pug of Pegacorn. Oh, it's such a good Oh, one. hey, uh, Marlon Bundo. I mean, uh, look, I don't, I don't want to spread gossip, but the last time I saw him, he was behind the glory hole of the bunny version <laughs> of the eagle. And let me just say this. Bunnies don't have a hanky code because they don't wear pants, so anything goes with Marlon Bundo. <laughs> anything. Uh, last time I talked to him, he was concerned about a cough going around his house. <laughs> Probably nothing. He's fine. I'm sure he's fine. Good. Good. All right. Well done. I'm positive he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and and Heath, <laughs> Jim would like a roast of ketchup. Yes. Ketchup. Wow, that's a tough one. How do you roast the number one vegetable? Of the 1980s American cafeteria <laughs> cuisine. <laughs> oh, right. No, you mentioned how Spanish conquistadors carried out a genocide of the Aztec people. And the worst result of that was eventual ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. The world was given this amazing thing called the tomato. And then some asshole five-year-old was like, 
I want it all squished up with diabetes. <laughs> they made it for him. And that five-year-old became president of the United States <laughs> and dumped it all over his well-done steak. <laughs> Ketchup ruined a well-done steak. Think about that sentence. Unforgivable. Oh, my God. Oh. All right. And, Tom, Dwayne would like a roast for his boss, Mary. All right. Yeah, bad bosses, kind of a dime a dozen. And that that's not a surprise because being in charge of stuff and people, that's actually pretty hard. And we should remember that. We should give bosses some grace on these things, except Mary. It's not, <laughs> it's not hard to be better than Mary. Mary is the kind of boss that wants to be a boss for show, right? who believes that running things is about the optics, about the way authority looks to other people. And Mary... And people like Mary, they'll never understand that being a good boss is about caring about and caring for others. And that it is actually a terrific privilege of trust to hold other people's lives in your hands. But I, I shouldn't say never, though. Mary will almost certainly figure it out, actually. She'll figure it out when she finds herself discovered as the naked emperor that she is, exposed and foolish and inevitably defeated, and when she finds herself there, she will discover that she has alienated everyone around her, burnt every bridge, damaged every relationship, until she sits crying alone in her empty, shitty condo, the sound of her echoing loneliness, her final earworm. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think I'm not a boss of anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Eli, Felipe would like you to roast him, uh, but he'd like you to do it in a, quote, in a Jewish voice. Ooh. All right, Felipe. I hope that last name's Goldstein, buddy. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, Felipe asked me to roast him back when he was 100 pounds heavier, and he included a picture. And honestly, I don't think that's fair. I mean, at the time, you didn't need an industrial smoker to roast Philip. <laughs> I mean, congratulations on your weight loss, Philip, but I'm guessing I could use your loose skin as a chuppa at this point. <laughs> you, you look like the uh, love child of Johnny Lingo and the most agreeable cow he brought back with him. <laughs> All right, I got a good one for you here, Heath. Right. Trevor would like a roast for his friend's mom, MJ. Yeah, okay, so MJ is one of those amazing Christian moms who disowns their kid for being gay. Of course, that takes a huge emotional toll on that parent. It's very tough for that parent. <laughs> and that's why she's part of a support group for moms of so-called prodigal children. Oh, she's oh, yeah. yeah, it's real tough for her. She's got a support group. So MJ, just so you know, you're going to AA meetings at an Irish bar and drinking. <laughs> and it's full of bigots, too. Well, okay, sorry. You're going to AA meetings at an Irish bar and drinking. That's nothing. You're still drinking. You're an asshole. Also, you look like a wanted poster in Belfast in 1985. <laughs> which is the last time you cut those bangs. They're ridiculous. <laughs> All right, Noah, you're up next. Levi wants a roast for his cousin Tanner. Oh, yeah, Tanner's one of those guys who works out a lot and hopes that, you know, if he's lumpy enough everywhere else, you'll mistake his hairless scalp for an extra bicep. <laughs> I like his brain flexed all the hair out of his head or something, you know. Oh, no. But congratulations on working out your uh, Mormonism problem 
there, Tanner. Glad to see you finally got the easiest of all the questions correct. <laughs> and judging by your Facebook photos, here's hoping that you'll eventually be able to apply that same level of judgment to questions like, should I be caught dead in this T-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Cecil, Garrett would like a roast for Coach Melvin. Okay. What the hell does it say about your basketball coaching style when your main strategy is scrolling through Instagram while the kids are practicing? (laughs) Posting up suddenly got a lot less exciting for these kids. (laughs) I could see spending a bit of time on Insta flaunting your big-time lifestyle, but you're posting torso mirror selfies like... What? A cut off at the knees and the head. Like, it's just your, what? your, your <laughs> fucking shirt and your gym shorts. What the fuck, dude? I mean, if you want to show up late and be disinterested and play around with your phone the whole time, why not just fill in for Tom on Citation Media <laughs> when he has the week? Why not just do that? <laughs> All right, so I already had to learn how to pronounce an Icelandic volcano, so I didn't bother learning the correct pronunciation here. But, Tom, how about a roast for Norwegian politician Sylvie Listaug for truce? Yeah, that's not going to be a problem. Sylvie is trying to ruin Norway. Think about that. That's Norway. I would (laughs) gobble up Norway's sloppy seconds until it was running down my chin, and I would be fucking grateful for it. Right? And this useless, horrid person is trying to ruin the best things about Norway. Hey, Sylvie, if you take away the great education and health care, all you have left is the cold and the endless monotonous <laughs> dark. <laughs> that the only reason Norway is a secular socialist paradise is because it's either that or rely on pickled fish to catch the world's attention. <laughs> like, how the fuck do you live in Norway and look around and be angry and be like, gee, this is all working so well, I should fix that by ruining it forever. <laughs> right. All right, spectacular. So now it is time for our first spitening round. And the category is bad dads. So I got a series of dads, and I want you to tell me what we would find inside their Father's Day card. We're going to start with Cat's dad, Michael. Okay, well, the photo we got is showing Michael, who who got injured playing geriatric rugby recently. That's <laughs> oh! the best. And he's, he's trying to dress up for Halloween as a sexy bride. That was the goal. But he somehow landed on Tennis Pirate, which is weird. I don't know how you got to that. <laughs> so along with your Father's Day card, I'm also sending a tennis ball to stick on the bottom of your sexy bride peg leg. Wear it all the time after your next rugby match. Probably stop playing rugby. Uh, and how about Laura's dad, Tom? Well, we know why you old people start acting nice as you get older. It's like a kid being super sweet in late December. <laughs> Don't worry. We won't forget you're a prick. As to the card, let's, you know, I say pay him back the $400 with a gift card for Charmin toilet paper because he's the world's biggest asshole. Okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, we got one here for Dustin's dad, David. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look. All right, on the cover, it's a tool belt. It's pretty standard dad card stuff. Says Happy Father's Day. Let's open it up. And wow, okay, uh, that's a lot. I'll just start. Uh, dad. Okay, we skipped deer. That's that's not a good sign. <laughs> Get that right over that one. Father. Uh, let's see. Hello. <laughs> Men set a pretty low bar for parenting, and still you manage to fail at meeting even the most mundane expectations. Uh, for Father's Day, I want you to take the day off, 
just relax and spend a day thinking about fatherhood. That's nice. And about what it means and what it could mean and about what having a really deep and lasting bond with your son should feel like. Okay. Uh, this is the next line. Now think about how you failed utterly, completely, and perfectly <laughs> in that responsibility. Take a moment, reflect on your cruelty, your indifference, and embrace this. This is your legacy. Uh, happy Father's Day. Oh, and, and happy is crossed off, and so is father. <laughs> off there. Ouch. All right, happy Eli. Day. Uh, what day. does Laura's card to Bill say? Oh, dear Bill. Well, I know how much you care about responsible birth control, so please see includedancestry.com printout to see that your dad did not feel the same way. So congrats to your crusty dick dad for slaying all the pussy you're too scared to get. Happy Father's Day. (laughs) I have a remarkably similar one for uh, Sarah's dad, Pete. This is an awkward card because she recently found out that her dad had an illegitimate half-brother and wanted me to make fun of her dad about his, in her words, horn dog old man. So I feel like we have like a Russian nesting doll situation. (laughs) It would just be like, glad to be the one you admitted to with a note that says, pass it on, right? And then I guess. (laughs) All right. So now it's time for a round of special requests. First up, Eli, Elizabeth would like you to roast her 14-year-old son, Atticus. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure Atticus is already the head of a company worth several times all the money I've ever made in my life. So (laughs) he builds trebuchets and has a knight's helmet. Nice. So uh, first of all, Atticus, don't think I don't see that you're trying to slide into my position as Cecil's best friend. Okay, I see you. Not best friends. Not best friends. Not now, Cecil. Not in front of Atticus. However, (laughs) however, Atticus, the bad news is your pure Aryan genes have unfortunately made you look like the Malfoy that was too racist for the Malfoy family reunion. <laughs> you, you look like you got kicked out of Hogwarts for marching out of the Forbidden Forest yelling, Jews will not replace us. <laughs> 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 All right, Noah, got one for you here. Emma would like you to roast her cat, Jezebel. All right, yeah, so Jezebel is apparently an idiot cat who constantly gets outsmarted by household objects and once had to be rescued from a harrowing fight with a dried chunk of her own shit that she was losing, right? It's <laughs> a so scrappy, scrappy little piece. So, so here's the thing, Jezebel, though. The bar is not that high to begin with. You're a fucking cat. You belong to a species known for mistaking... I can see the bottom for there's no food in it. (laughs) That thinks they're still going to catch that glowing red light one of these days. That chews on the cactus more than once. (laughs) And you are dumb for that. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you, like you know how even in a Trump cabinet meeting, there still has to be a dumbest person in the room. You're like that, only like without the evil and bigotry, probably. <laughs> All right. So next up, we have an interesting challenge for you, Heath. Okay. Jennifer would like you to do an ode to Scotch. Hark! <laughs> thine plaintive call, <laughs> beckoning me to my nightstand. As I wake, (laughs) your voice, redolent, serpentine, (laughs) synecdoche, (laughs) thesaurus, (laughs) that I may slake mine thirst and wash down plaque and clotted saliva. Fantastic. Well done. Well done. Magic. That is magic. It's pure magic. Thank you. All right, Cecil. See you, Doc. Um, I'm going to roast for Larry's cousin's (laughs) husband, 
whose name is literally Chad. <laughs> this guy has truck nuts on his big douchebag truck you sent pictures in. You have to start calling him Hanging Chad. I do have to do that. <laughs> Chad is a fucking coward milk toast racist. Like, oh, I'm not a Nazi. I just really like their logo. <laughs> <laughs> you look good in a hood, dipshit. Because you're racist, not because it makes your face look thinner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, Tom, why don't you do Olivia's ex-coworker, Christopher? All right, well, Olivia says she's been trying to set this guy on fire with her mind for years. What? I know why that wouldn't work, Olivia. People the size of Christopher, they can't be set alight. The best you're going to do is a decent <laughs> rendering of them. That's it. Like, can a man be made of tallow? The whole man? That's a lot of the man. Like, is that even a human component to make people of? I Look, I get it that Christopher's bad at his job, and he disappears on you for hours. I can see how that would make you upset. I get that. But here's the thing. I know where Christopher goes, and he sneaks off all day. He's in the shitter, Olivia. He is sitting there in a tiny stall with the odor of the waste of his life wafting up at him like the perfume of his failures. And he is breathing it in, Olivia. He is reveling in it because that stench, heavy and vile, that is the essence of him. That stench is the distillation of every broken dream of his lost and desperate life. And all he knows how to do is hide from all the people around him that so often can when he so completely cannot and bask in the stench of his own waste and ruin. <laughs> Basking in his own fecal stench. Exactly. That's exactly where I was hoping we would wind up at this point in the show. All right, so we're going to wrap Listen things to up. the show at dinner. <laughs> With a round for our high rollers, these heavy hitters paid the big bucks, so they're going to get a section of roast all to themselves. We're going to start with Nathan, who forked over $300 for a roast of himself from the entire scathing crew. All right, so the photo we got shows Nathan with Dave Warnock, an ex-pastor with ALS, who's educating the world about how to die as a non-believer on his Dying Out Loud tour. And right next to Dave Warnock is Nathan, a lawn gnome for a giant, whose <laughs> beard-related hypertension is ironically the silent <laughs> Strong juxtaposition by the artist who took the photograph. Yeah. <laughs> that beard has a capillary system. <laughs> you know, his T-shirt says, I'm a hugger on it, and I bet those smell awesome. <laughs> no, I said, but I do, I like the beard. The salt and pepper beard is good. It goes all with all the uh, chunks of food that are embedded in it really well. It everything compliments it's everything else. Yeah, if yeah. a fantasy dwarf could turn on, tune in, and drop out, Nathan would be that dwarf. <laughs> he looks like the kind of guy who would offer a stranger a massage at a concert, a high school band concert. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, so who's got a roast for the Denver International Airport? Every time I've flown into Denver internationally, I had to break through like this blanket of smoke, and I can't figure out if it was forest fires or weed. <laughs> I'm not sure which one it was. Yeah, Denver International Airport wastes 50% of its flights, and I'm talking about the ones that go into Denver. <laughs> you know, most airports have food stalls and like maybe a lounge or two. That's not for Denver. Flights that land in Denver may as well ask you to tuck and roll onto the highway without touching down. 
Well, you hope you don't get run over by a 17-year-old DJ driving for Uber. (laughs) (laughs) The stupidest fucking airport. It's the second largest airport on the entire goddamn planet. It's the 16th busiest. (laughs) Most of the size is literally only there so your gate can be further fucking away. (laughs) The the whole complex is tainted by all these like wild Illuminati conspiracy theories. And as silly as those are, they make more sense than the official story of, no, we legitimately thought this was a good designed for a fucking airport. <laughs> also, as a member of the Illuminati myself, I'm offended that our Nazi bunker under the airport doesn't have a Brookstone. <laughs> also offended that it's in Denver. Like, if you're going to Colorado, John Galt's Invisible Airport is way nicer. <laughs> Just as a facility. All right, so how about a little uh, of the same treatment for Joel, who donated 300 big ones for us to roast him. Yeah, Joel asked for us to make him cry, but since none of us are a paternity test, I don't think we're up to the test. <laughs> he looks like if he did any manscaping, he'd disappear completely as a human <laughs> You look like a version of Guy Fieri that only visits Flavortown in segregationist Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joel looks like he celebrates breakfast with a bottle of dessert wine in a 7-Eleven parking lot. <laughs> All right. So I have a tricky one here. Ted presented us with a kind of a smorgasbord of roasties and another $300 to charity, and he gave us the privilege to do whichever we want. So uh, so feel free to dive in. I'm going to start us off. Uh, he asked us to roast the year, but at the time it was 2019. So 2019 is like that chick that gave you crabs, but little did we know she was going to introduce us to her sister 2020 who has a vagina full of murder hornets. <laughs> <laughs> He also gave us the opportunity to roast his honeymoon picture. <laughs> it's, it's rough. <laughs> I've never been more certain of a honeymoon suite that did not get a single noise complaint. <laughs> <laughs> they could have had their wedding night in an open library. <laughs> Zero <laughs> And, uh, Tom, something tells me you might have just a thing for Dylan's mother-in-law and her daughter. I got Dylan... <laughs> Your mother-in-law and sister-in-law, they sound awful, but, I mean, you know how else they sound? They sound fucking boring. I don't mean lazy, and I don't mean uninteresting. I mean, like, bone-deep boring. They're kind of boring where as soon as you meet them, you forget the name of everyone in the room in a kind of mental self-defense just so you don't accidentally remember even the tiniest piece of contextual information about them. It's like cancer. you got to cut around the information about these people. Like... These seem like the kind of people whose blood runs beige, you know? Like, they can't even fight in their hearts to stir up some shit or rabble-rouse in a meaningful way. They seem boring in a way that sucks all the air out of the room and makes you glad to asphyxiate because at least it's something to do now. (laughs) All right, and finally, Jason's kids got together. They put in $275 for us to roast Donald Trump. So my challenge to you is a kid-friendly roast of Donald Trump for Jason to play for his very generous kids. I'm all about this. Okay. So, uh, hey, kids, why don't you go ahead and open up that piggy bank one more time? You got it? Okay, you just paid Donald Trump's income tax. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. (laughs) Okay, uh, I can play a kid-friendly roast of Trump. Once upon a time, there lived a man who had a life so small, he had to scream all day just to make sure he was heard. So he screamed and he screamed and he screamed until one day, 
All those screams piled up upon him like an enormous weight, and he was crushed slowly and painfully beneath the devastating weight of his lies and deceit. Lollipops. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. All right, kids. Donald Trump is like the witch in Hansel and Gretel. We're the kids, and the oven is coronavirus. Okay? <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> I wonder how hot that oven is, Trump. I just wonder how hot. I don't know. All right, and I'm hesitant to ask, but um Eli? Yeah. Um <gasps> Okay, well, I specifically told them the children were going to be listening to that. So, well, we lawyer up. Warning, this episode contains profanity. But don't worry, most of the words are conjunctions and shit. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Stamps.com and by Intravenous Bleach. Don't puss out now, Mr. President. And now, the scathing atheist. Hi, this is Bill Morris with Seamline.com. I make tights for Renaissance festivals, theatrical companies, and opera companies. And while it may seem like an odd qualification working with cod pieces every other day, I can assure you we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey men. It's October 8th. And it's National Fluffernutter Day, so it's everybody... It's a sandwich. It's a sandwich. Okay, never mind then. Never I'm mind what no I... illusions. I'm Eli Bosman. <laughs> I'm Heath Enright. It's a sandwich. <laughs> and from Eric Menendez, New Jersey, Cincinnati Swing State, and Good Husband, Georgia, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, Tom and Cecil join us for some fine-aged roasts. Donald Trump gets infected by a hoax... And we learn that we can inflict COVID with our wishes. <laughs> but first, the diatribe. Yo, imagine what the Christians would have done. If Joe Biden had come out to his debate all demonized with flies crawling on his head and shit. I mean, seriously, for you and me, it was just a really easy how full of shit is this guy set up. But, but for them, it would have been Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. It would have been the scent of death upon him. It would have been foretold in the book of Revelation. I mean, as a guy who's watched something like 32 trillion Revelation flicks for god-awful movies, i got to say, there has never been an easier setup for apocalypse forecasters to make their case. Trump is exactly the figure that Christian filmmakers imagined as the Antichrist, less a European accent. I mean, all the fake piety, the cult of personality, the bellicosity, the utter and almost comical personification of the seven deadly sins. Hey, I mean, his son-in-law owns the building at 666 Fifth Avenue. The virus inflicting his presidency has a crown, just like the little scorpion horse locust things. Hell, the only reason we've never seen a fictional antichrist gas innocent protesters and kick a priest out of his church so he can hold the Bible upside down on camera is because some things are too on the nose for even pure flicks producers. 
I, I, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not saying that any of this shit actually lines up with biblical prophecy, but we're talking about people who were saying Obama was the beast of revelation because the beast was supposed to have the feet of a bear and bears were Chicago's football mascot. And no, I did not just make that up. And yet, here we have this fucking antichrist conspiracy potential served to them on a silver fucking platter. And not only do they pass on it, but they also like lick COVID-infected shit to demonstrate their loyalty to him. And I, I know that Christian hypocrisy isn't exactly novel. It's my stock in trade, after all. But one out of every four Christian movies released in the last 40 fucking years has been pushing the very specific message that if a dude like Donald Trump ever comes along, you absolutely should not give him political power. And despite lining up with the beast of revelations as though that's what he was going for, American evangelicals look from him to the Bible and the Bible to him and pluck out King fucking David. Right? They were given a clear case of an immoral leader, but because their book of morals is entirely free of morals, they found an immoral leader that was a good guy. They, they found an example where the evil guy who did evil shit was God's favorite and declared that their guy was more like him, really. They, they, they literally reached into their ostensible book of morals and came away with an analogous character that allows Trump to achieve virtually any level of depravity without losing his evangelical support. I, David conspired to have a guy killed in a battle because he wanted to keep fucking that guy's wife. So, yeah, by their high moral standard, he probably could shoot a guy on Fifth Avenue without losing their support. See, for a long time, religion has tried to justify its existence by pretending it was some kind of ethical bulwark. Right, They were the moral majority. They, they, they were there to hold politicians to a higher standard. As society's sense of goodness deteriorated at the hands of ever more violent video games and ever more lascivious television shows, they remained rooted to some unchanging, incorruptible principles that would shield them from the moral degradation of the world around them. And yet, when the nation faced an actual moral dilemma, one that even conveniently lined up with all their little silly left-behind prologue symbolism shit, theirs was and remains the least ethical response. If I may be so bold as to quote from a future historian, or dare I say all the future historians, the fucking Trump presidency was a moral gauntlet for America, and it is a test that we largely failed. But no demographic failed quite like the self-proclaimed defenders of decency. When the least among us were in genuine danger, the disciples of Christ circled their wagons around the oppressors. When we teetered on the brink of civil immolation, the followers of the Prince of Peace sided with the guy fanning the fucking flames when the test came the moral majority turned out to be neither they're talking about your jesus interrupt this broadcast bring you a special news bulletin joining me for headlines tonight on the shave and a haircut to my two bits Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick fellas are you ready to coax out Roger Rabbit? Two bits! Sorry. <laughs> oh, please use that as a code for sex with your partner. If we leave one thing behind on this earth, I want, are you ready to coax out Roger Rabbit as an innuendo to be it? <laughs> and also, don't forget, check out manscaped.com for that shaving haircut. <laughs> oh, and, code awful. Hey, by the way, the Roger Rabbit was a bit of a shout out for Jeffrey, a listener who, like myself, is celebrating 300 days without tobacco today. Ooh. Nice. Good work. And on that, congratulations. We'll take a quick break for a word from our first sponsor this week, ZipRecruiter. 
Okay, so then Karen needs access to the mask station without walking past Heather's desk. Then I got to find a new guy for six feet away from there, but with access to the bin of Christian hypocrisy. Hey, Tony D, what you working on there? Oh, hey, Heath, I'm just trying to figure out how to hire someone from my various warehouses of topic-based comedy. Yeah. I mean, with all the new safety regulations in play, it could be a real hassle. I mean, look at this. Carol needs access to Tony D's house of convenient excuses and minority sidekicks, but she needs to be six feet away from Kyle, who needs the sidekicks and Christian Karate Warehouse. Wow, yeah, that sounds tough for for you. Why don't you just try ZipRecruiter.com? What's ZipRecruiter.com? ZipRecruiter sends your job to over a 100 of the web's leading job sites, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, they scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter makes hiring efficient and effective with features like screening questions to filter candidates and an all-in-one dashboard where you can review and rate your candidates. In fact, they're so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day, one day. Wow. Glandage? That's right, Tony D. Glandage. And right now, if you want to try ZipRecruiter for free, our listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-C-A-T-H-I-N-G. ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing, huh? Yep. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thanks, Heath. Now, how about a great deal on some Christian karate for you? I'm listening. And now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, in flu d'etat news. Nice. <laughs> God gave Donald Trump COVID and also cured his COVID asterisk. Boo, <laughs> God. Yeah. Sounds a lot like a welfare state to me, but the president was okay with it this one time. The health insurance was provided by the U.S. government. Hmm. The medicine was provided by the scientists he ignores and lies about. Hmm. Yep. And none of the medicine was hydroxychloroquine or photons or bleach, <laughs> even though that would have been the greatest doctor prank in the history of the world. <laughs> Side note, super sad that doctor prank isn't really a thing very often. Like, I get it. Good for ethics, but it's bad for comedy. Yeah. That needs to be more of a thing. And, and in this specific case, bad for the world. Yeah, too. no bad so, for also. ethics as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, despite all the medical care provided by science and the communist American taxpayer, Donald Trump, declared the entire process a miracle. Jesus. Yeah, I remember that part of the Bible where Lazarus is standing in the Times Square telling people not to let death ruin their lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God's like, sorry, guys, I I thought it would teach him humility. I Looking back, that seems naive, especially for an omniscient <laughs> That's me. deity. That's My me. bad. Obviously. So... Trump was at Walter Reed Medical Center over the weekend, and at some point, he made him set up a special Twitter studio for for him to make a video statement yeah. to put on Twitter. And these are the exact words from the president. Quote, if you look at the therapeutics, which I'm taking right now, some of them and others are coming out soon that are looking like, frankly, they're miracles. If you want to know the truth, I wouldn't be watching a video of you if that's what we wanted, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. They're miracles. Continuing. People criticize me when I say that. Yep, we do. That's fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. There you right go. Here. That was the correct part of that. <laughs> Continue one more time. 
but we have things happening that look like they're miracles coming down from God. So I just want to tell you that I'm starting to feel good. End quote. Look, if miracles from God look like a nerd in an N95 mask handing you a Z-Pack, even though they know they shouldn't, we would believe in them. Okay, <laughs> That's not what miracles from God look like. Yeah, and just to be clear, Trump is feeling good because he got pumped full of steroids. Right. <laughs> For now. But, by the way, that's the stuff God invented because baseball is fucking boring. <laughs> um, yeah. Didn't really change anything on the baseball front. But it's a medicine, too, sometimes. So yeah. He's got well, some yeah him. If Trump's personality was missing anything, it was roid rage. Yeah. <laughs> well, regardless, here's the important takeaway from the president of the United States. He thinks the coronavirus is... Totally beatable, and everyone should stop worrying about it. Just make sure you got your helicopter ready to fly you to Walter Reed Medical Center. Mm -hmm. And make sure you have health insurance that doesn't get taken away by the addition of another libertarian theocrat on the Supreme Court. And then pray for a miracle. All that stuff, you're all set. (laughs) I know I'll be praying for the lives of those COVID cells in the West Wing. (laughs) I'm pro-life on this one. I think that's important. Yeah, not to put too fine a point on it, but... Trump beat COVID while 200,000 other Americans didn't is our slam dunk argument for atheism. Everything else (laughs) on today's show is glitter. It's glitter, people. And in my power is super spreading news. Regular listeners to the show might be familiar with the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, also known as Christian Hogwarts. I I would go so far as to say desperately known as Christian Hogwarts. (laughs) Uh, But just in case you're new around these parts, uh, hi, I'm Eli, kind of the darling of the show. Anyways, Bethel is the Christian school that attendees of Liberty University get to make fun of. We've reported on their student activities over the years, like trying to walk through walls using Christian magic. Or hurting themselves. Yep, and hurting themselves real bad. Or sucking up Christian magic by lying on graves. Mm -hmm. And hurting themselves. And hurting themselves, yeah. Yeah. And as will come as a surprise to nobody, they've got a whole fucking bunch of COVID. (laughs) How much COVID? How much COVID, you ask? Thank you, (laughs) Keith. According to the school, they have some Ish. Cool. Is he, Good to know. Yeah. In Shasta County, California, where the school is located, there have been nearly 100 COVID cases among people in their 20s over the past two weeks. Jesus. However, the other two major colleges in the area have only reported eight cases total. So when they were asked how many cases Bethel had, they replied, quote, a portion of the new cases in Shasta County have been amongst our students and staff. So we are taking swift action under the guidance of public health to minimize additional spread, end quote. Oh, no actual details. How presidential of them. But honestly, this shouldn't surprise anybody who knows about this school. I mean, one of their preachers has already publicly denied the severity of COVID. And let's not forget that at the very start of the epidemic, local hospitals had to send students home who kept sneaking in to cure people with their magic powers. Yep. Yeah. They try to walk through the wall of the hospital room and hurt themselves, <laughs> yep. and they had to go home. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, Christianity might as well be listed as COVID's number one comorbidity. Right. And then stand back and stand corrected news tonight. Fantastic. In one of the best bits of trolling since Planting Peace put their rainbow-colored equality house across the street from Westboro Baptist Church, 
gay men across the world took to the internets in the past week to reclaim hashtag proud boy. This is such good work. <laughs> so that the racist, sexist, homophobic, scrotal fungus that used that very same name get to scroll through plenty of gay dudes being very gay when they're searching out for their uh, xenophobia fix. You know, for a white supremacist group based on rejected Aladdin songs, these guys have some confusing <laughs> triggers, right? <laughs> <It's> confusing. <laughs> So if you weren't familiar with the Proud Boys before last Tuesday's debate, you suddenly became so when Schmuckle Orange told the SPLC-listed hate group to stand back and stand by right before ominously musing about how some organized group of some sort should do something about Antifa and the left. You know, the whole left. And if you weren't familiar with them before, it also means you probably missed that video where the asshat tries to tear that gay poster at the Pride Parade. So <laughs> yes. you need to take a minute and rectify that. We'll wait. He's <laughs> like, all right, get ready for my big, impactful tearing display. Here we go. Mm, nope, hurt my hand. Okay. <laughs> I, gotta, I just, I just got to get it started with a bite. Nope. Just, what is this made of? Kevlar? What is happening? But yeah, after Trump... Now, infamously refused to condemn the group, George Takei, of being awesome fame, suggested flooding their hashtag with pictures of gay men, quote, doing very gay things, end quote. And a quick perusal through Twitter will show the fervency with which the gay community and their allies took up the call. And in my opinion, this is exactly how we deal with these assholes, right? Like, never take your eye off how dangerous and poison they are, but also do so without giving them the notoriety that they so desperately crave. No matter how much of a threat they become, they will always still be nothing but the butt of the joke. Excellent work. Hijacking a hashtag. Love it. Well done. And in forced birth of a nation news. <laughs> well during, during the debate with Joe Biden last week, Donald Trump said, we don't know Amy Coney Barrett's position on Roe v. Wade. <laughs> so, first of all, Yes, the fuck we do. You're an we idiot. Do. Yeah. <laughs> She's a forced birtherist Catholic fundamentalist. We do know that. That's obvious. But I guess Trump, uh, maybe he was using the royal we. He meant he we royal oh, doesn't know yeah. her position. And um, that's a, it's a weird thing to not know about the person you're nominating for the Supreme Court for her entire lifetime. Well, it, Trump excels at weird things not to know. That, you, you know what? He's the best at that. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Well, fortunately for Trump, while he's lying in bed struggling to breathe, it's, <laughs> it's super tragic that it's probably happening to him right now. <laughs> I feel so bad. Oh, man. He's just wheezing and he can barely, he's scared. But while that's happening, <laughs> he can have Melania read him one of the many news reports this week about the very clear anti-choice propaganda statement that Barrett signed in 2006. Or, you know, he could have asked her before giving her a 40-year spot in the highest court of the sure. land. I'm just throwing yeah. this out there. Right, no, or he could have counted her kids. There are so many ways to know. <laughs> so the statement that Barrett signed was part of a two-page ad in the South Bend Tribune and claimed... The right to life from fertilization to natural death. So that's pretty fucking clear on that position. Yep. Depending on its location, come as a person. Also, menstruation is murder. <laughs> and death with dignity should be illegal was also implied by that. Yep. And just for the record, the group that made the propaganda ad 
also believes that in vitro fertilization should be illegal. Jesus fucking you know, Christ. Fuck that, that, I have no idea how you get to Whatever. And just in case Donald still hasn't pieced together Barrett's position on abortion, that statement also called for, quote, an end to the barbaric legacy of Roe v. Wade, exact words. So uh, let's go ahead and get ready for a giant lie about Barrett's case-by-case non-opinion at yeah. a confirmation hearings. Right. Mm. I mean, that's if we bother with questions. I, I hear McConnell's actually planning to do it like drive through COVID testing. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the Kushner version of that, which is where you say you're going to do it and then don't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That sounds about right. <sighs> and one other detail. Just in case anyone missed it, she's in a Catholic nesting cult. She's part of a cult inside of the cult of Catholicism. People of praise is what it's called, and it's very clearly anti-choice. Also, they very literally believe they can heal the dead back to life. Yes, they do. That's a real thing. They're just batting zero this whole time. Like, they're definitely magical, though. They're just in a slump. <laughs> forever well, on that. For, forever so far. Maybe they'll get a chance with the president. But Donald, if you're looking for another solid resource about the person you already nominated, <laughs> it's a great time to do a little research on that right now. Yeah. You can check out the website for People of Praise. They actually tried to make that impossible by erasing the internet recently and <laughs> removing all the content about Amy Coney Barrett. But... Uh, that's not how the internet works. Also, <laughs> even if that was how it works, they just made it worse. Like, now I'm just assuming there was a video of her screaming homophobic slurs very proudly at a Walmart manager. Like, <laughs> best case scenario from your asshole perspective, people have praised, you erased what I'm now assuming. Yeah, right. So that's nothing. Well, and based on the last confirmation hearing... That's not disqualifying behavior for a Supreme Court justice as long as Hillary Clinton is that Walmart manager. You just got to get <laughs> Hill Dog in the mix. And in another one bites the dust news. New York State's Diocese of Rockville Center raped so many children that even though they own tremendous amounts of tax-free land and have taken in purely tax-free income since ever... This week, they declared bankruptcy, making them the largest diocese to do so to date. Okay, this is a giant mafia scam. They pretend that each diocese is somehow a separate business, so victims can't sue the fucking Vatican for the giant vaults of Nazi gold that they definitely have. But the top of the RICO chart has been the Vatican the whole time, fucking obviously. Also, did I mention they have Nazi gold? They, right, yeah. Kid rape and Nazi gold. What, like, name the two worst things. Right. That's, it. That's the fucked up thing is that the Nazi gold is not the most incriminating thing in their vaults. No. no. I would say not top five. Not Pro- top Probably five. not. Yeah. So, for the record, the Archdiocese has already paid out more than $62 million to approximately 350 sex abuse survivors just since 2017. Jesus. Thanks to a New York law that temporarily suspended the statute of limitations on those crimes. Well, this past August, that window was expanded to January because I guess New York State decided to give people a few more months to talk about the horrific abuse they suffered as a child. So the diocese, as a result, faces more than 200 further claims of abuse. Yeah, and I I know we've talked about this before, but to be clear to the listeners at home, until there are no more raped kids awaiting justice was an option. 
Right, that concept exists in New York too. They went with January instead. Yeah, when they went with January, and while what can only be described as a child rape factory going bankrupt is a good thing for the world, this is actually probably a bad thing for the victims. So, yeah. according to an attorney for seventy-three of them, bankruptcy will deny a jury trial to victims and limit their ability to unearth private documents through discovery. Plus, in some cases, plaintiffs could receive smaller financial settlements than they might have been awarded in a civil trial. Yeah, yeah, it's bankruptcy protection. That's that's yeah. the word that right. goes after yeah. that, and we're giving protection to child rape. I don't understand. Yeah. yeah, but that's not the story the church is selling. According to Bishop John Barnes, quote, our goal is to make sure that all clergy sexual abuse survivors, and not just a few who were first to file lawsuits, are afforded just an equitable compensation, end quote. Not adding, which is why we've done literally every legal thing possible to make sure they don't get it. Right. Yeah. Right. Plus other stuff. This is a this is a franchise for the one of the largest landowners in the entire world. There's stuff to sue them for. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And in Lost and Font news tonight. You know, <laughs> nothing reminds you how hard religion is to take seriously quite as much as trying to take religion seriously. And we were reminded of that over the summer. When the Vatican's Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith overturned decades of baptism on a technicality, thus throwing the Catholic world into a very hard to take this seriously is calamity. Oh, <laughs> uh, you such idiots. You missed it. The babies all over the world, they just magically dry up. <laughs> Curse you, doctrines of faith. Yeah. Nobody ever expects them. So anyway, when you get to, thank you. When you get baptized, there's a bit where the priest says, "I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, yada yada." But starting in the late 80s, early 90s, some congregations went first person plural and started saying, "We baptize you" instead of "I baptize you" to emphasize how like, you know, the whole congregation was involved. But since these are actual magic words, you can't just change them. <laughs> or at least that's the contention of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, which declared that all baptisms performed with the offending pronoun be retroactively invalidated, which for some true believing Catholics means their loved ones are in hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it also means people are, like, bursting in the door of the priest's office yelling, like, did you use first-person singular play over the yes, priest's office? Right. serious. <laughs> what did you use? Remember. Remember that. And they're, like, rewinding old camcorder tapes, watching in slow-mo, looking for the lip motion. What? No, you said hi to the... Uh, now we got to go to hell. Uh, makes you really feel for those folks whose priest has a lisp, right? He's just sitting next to him in church. Fuck, is he good, or do we have to find the Holy Ghost? Like, what's the... <laughs> Well, so an amazing example of one of those kicking through the door things that he was talking about comes to us from Detroit, where a Catholic preacher named Matthew Hood, whose baptism was recorded on video back in the 90s, turns out not to have been, like, officially actually baptized, which means, according to Catholicism, he's not technically a Christian, <laughs> which means... He's not technically a priest. <laughs> He's getting dumber, which means that everybody who ever confessed to him didn't technically get absolution. Not samurais, doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And since failing to treat this like a real thing would be a stark admission that they know it's entire bullshit, the archdiocese rushed out a notice explaining that while Hood did lack absolution powers or 
cracker transmogrifying power, so none of that should count. <laughs> he does still have baptism powers because even non-Christians can technically do that. Otherwise, you know, there could never be like a first Christian. So assuming he didn't <laughs> fuck up the pronoun, his baptisms still count. There's no way they pieced that all together logically. <laughs> <laughs> and finally tonight, in Would You Like a Sandwich Religion Are You News? Jesus Christ. Dude, when they're that labored, feel free to just ask for an epidural first, okay? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Much needed. You know. When you talk about how much God there isn't for a living, you tend to get the same questions over and over, like, what's a podcast? And <laughs> my cousin has a used car lot. Do you want me to see if I can get you a job over there? Eli, Eli. Okay, right. But, but one of the religious apologetics we get all the time is that without religion, there wouldn't be any charity. Or at least there'd be way less of it. Not sure I understand the thinking. And we were reminded of what a fucking stupid argument that is this week when it was revealed that one of the only good government responses to COVID, the Farmers to Families Food Box program, has been nearly fucked to death by religion. Wow. While they were helping COVID victims who weren't quite fucked to death by religion yet. Yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, little background here. Farmers to Families Food Box program is a good idea. So, the USDA has been using distribution networks already in place to buy farmers' produce, then arrange for it to be boxed and delivered to food banks and other nonprofits working to feed the hungry. Except some of those food banks and nonprofits are religious. And according to the food news outlet The Counter, they've been treating it like it was their turn to tell people in the Mad Maxiverse not to get addicted to water. <laughs> so, uh, look, we're talking about people that have managed to stay financially viable for hundreds and hundreds of years by hoarding salvation, <laughs> right? What the hell did we think was going to happen when we gave him something real? Yeah, obviously. So in addition to the usual corruption that was discovered, like contracts for ill-equipped companies, profiteering pricing schemes, uneven distribution, and punitive responses to negative feedback, it's also been reported that religious institutions are being allowed to just cram as much Jesus into each box of sandwiches that they want. Wow. According to a recent article from The Counter, quote, we found multiple instances in which churches promoted their own messages while distributing taxpayer-funded boxes in potential violation of USDA guidelines. Potential? Yep. Yeah. The issues range from relatively minor, like slapping church logos on each box, to more significant, apparently saving people at distribution sites telling recipients the boxes are from God, and asking volunteers to pray in person for every single box recipient, end quote. And now Jesus wants you to do the truffle shuffle before you get it. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> and now we're all going to lay hands on each other and all this food for pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe handle a few cobras, too, and then release them. It should be great. <laughs> Yeah, and I want to point out that additionally, according to Hemet Mehta over at The Friendly Atheist, some religious distribution programs aren't even giving food to the needy. Instead, they're just implementing programs where people can come and take as much food as they like as long as they belong to that church. If they change religion. Fuck! Yeah. So next time someone talks to you about how great their church's local soup kitchen is, remind them that there are charities without a religious requirement that help people and that maybe... Maybe if we didn't let religion corner the market on helping, they'd be able to do their jobs a lot better. No shit. 
And with that reminder echoing in your ears, we're going to close out the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Jumanji. And when we come back, we'll stop being so nice. If you buy both, I can throw the necklace in for free. That sounds great. I'll take them. Oh, no, you don't. Hey, wait, who are you? It's me, Captain COVID, and I'm here to kill your business. Oh, no. I can't buy this stuff from you because now I can't leave my house. And I can't sell this stuff to you because I can't leave my house. Never fear. Stamps.com is here. Hooray! That's right. Thousands of small business owners have discovered the benefits of Stamps.com in recent months. They've been able to keep their businesses running and avoid the crowds at the post office, all from their own computers. No! That's right. With Stamps.com, you can print postage on demand and avoid going to the post office. And you'll save money with discounted rates you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com also offers UPS service with discounts up to 62% and no residential surcharges. And right now, our listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in scathing. That's Stamps.com. Enter scathing. Thanks, Stamps.com. I have been defeated. Hooray! Hey, podcast listeners, we got our 400th episode coming up next week, and we'd love it if you could be a part of it. We're looking for your favorite scathing atheist memory, whether that's something that happened on the show or something that happened to you when you were listening to the show or quoting it or forcing your shitty religious roommate to listen to it. Just record your story in MP3 or WAV format, keep it under 30 seconds, and email it to scathing400 at gmail.com. That's scathing400 at gmail.com. We're going to be including some of our favorites in next week's episode, unless they're all boring and shitty. And now, back to the show. You know, it was about this time last year when I turned to my friends and I said, hey, maybe we should put a cap on the number of insults we agree to do on the show for Vulgarity for Charity this year. And joining us tonight, 11 months into fulfilling that obligation, are two of the men who outvoted me on that from the Cognitive Dissonance podcast and, more importantly, Citation Needed, Tom Cecil. Welcome back. Thanks for having us, Noah. For, you know, so the eighteenth time is a charm. Eight, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 we're clearly more than halfway through. Halfway through it, so living on a prayer. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start out with one for you, Cecil. Panthera uh, of Thundercats fame, I do believe, would like a roast of the corn goblins of Indiana. Oh, okay. I can see how this could be confusing, but you got your taxonomy wrong here. Corn goblins are from Iowa. Meth ogres are from Indiana. <laughs> I can see why you would confuse the two. They both have green skin and they both think stand back and stand by is a condemnation. But what really, really differentiates them is the height. Corn goblins aren't as tall as the corn, so they can hide in there. And meth ogres need to be big enough to get the Sudafed off the top shelf. So it's a little, yeah, a little different. Nice. All right, Noah, I got a nice cheery one for you in return. Ingrid would like you to roast eating disorders. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cheery. Uh, eating disorders are great because the only thing better than a crippling and sometimes fatal psychological problem is coupling that with the complete inability of the rest of the world to take it seriously. 
Right. Oh, and, and by God. the way, apropos of nothing, if you ever say something like, uh, well, you don't look anorexic, that was a wrong thing to say. That's, I know it sounds like a compliment <laughs> in your head to an anorexic that sounds like you're fat. Just throwing that. I'm just getting like, just uh, Jesus fucking Christ, eating disorders. How the fuck are you even possible if evolution is a thing? I don't get it. <laughs> All right, Eli, uh, uh, Coral would like you to roast Marlon Bundo. That is, uh, Mike Pence's rabbit. Fantastic. <laughs> I still just love that. Marlon so much. Bundo, what a good roast. As Carl the Pug of Oh, it's such a good Oh, one. hey, uh, Marlon Bundo. I mean, uh, look, I don't, I don't want to spread gossip, but the last time I saw him, he was behind the glory hole at the bunny version <laughs> of the eagle. And let me just say this. Bunnies don't have a hanky code because they don't wear pants, so anything goes with Marlon Bundo. <laughs> anything. Uh, last time I talked to him, he was concerned about a cough going around his house. He's probably nothing. He's fine. I'm sure he's fine. Good. Good. All right. Well done. I'm positive he's fine. Yeah. And and Heath, <laughs> Jim would like a roast of ketchup. Yes. Ketchup. Wow, that's a tough one. How do you roast the number one vegetable? Of the 1980s American high school cafeteria <laughs> cuisine. <laughs> oh, right. No, you mentioned how Spanish conquistadors carried out a genocide of the Aztec people. And the worst result of that was eventual ketchup. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> wow. okay. The world was given this amazing thing called the tomato. And then some asshole five-year-old was like... I want it all squished up with diabetes. <laughs> they made it for him. And that five-year-old became president of the United States <laughs> and dumped it all over his well-done steak. Oh, <laughs> ruined a well-done steak. Think about that sentence. Unforgivable. Oh, my God. Oh. All right. And, Tom, Dwayne would like a roast for his boss, Mary. All right. Yeah, bad bosses, kind of a dime a dozen. And that that's not a surprise because being in charge of stuff and people, that's actually pretty hard. And we should remember that. We should give bosses some grace on these things, except Mary. It's not, <laughs> it's not hard to be better than Mary. Mary is the kind of boss that wants to be a boss for show, right? who believes that running things is about the optics, about the way authority looks to other people. And Mary... And people like Mary, they'll never understand that being a good boss is about caring about and caring for others. And that it is actually a terrific privilege of trust to hold other people's lives in your hands. But I, I shouldn't say never, though. Mary will almost certainly figure it out, actually. She'll figure it out when she finds herself discovered as the naked emperor that she is, exposed and foolish and inevitably defeated, and when she finds herself there, she will discover that she has alienated everyone around her, burnt every bridge, damaged every relationship, until she sits crying alone in her empty, shitty condo, the sound of her echoing loneliness, her final earworm. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think I'm not a boss of anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Eli, Felipe would like you to roast him, uh, but he'd like you to do it in a, quote, in a Jewish voice. Ooh. <laughs> All right, Felipe. I hope that last name's Goldstein, buddy. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, Felipe asked me to roast him back when he was 100 pounds heavier, and he included a picture. And honestly, I don't think that's fair. I mean, 
At the time, you didn't need an industrial smoker to roast Philip. <laughs> I mean, congratulations on your weight loss, Philip, but I'm guessing I could use your loose skin as a chuppah at this point. <laughs> you, you look like the uh, love child of Johnny Lingo and the most agreeable cow he brought back with him. <laughs> All right, I got a good one for you here, Heath. Right. Trevor would like a roast for his friend's mom, MJ. Yeah, okay. So MJ is one of those amazing Christian moms who disowns their kid for being gay. Of course, that takes a huge emotional toll on that parent. It's very tough for that parent. <laughs> and that's why she's part of a support group for moms of so-called Prodigal children. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, Christ. Yeah. yeah, it's real tough for her. She's got a support group. So, MJ, just so you know, you're going to AA meetings at an Irish bar and drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and it's full of bigots, too. Well, okay, sorry. You're going to AA meetings at an Irish bar and drinking. <laughs> That's nothing. You're still drinking. You're an asshole. Also, you look like a wanted poster in Belfast in 1985, <laughs> which is the last time you cut those bangs. They're ridiculous. <laughs> All right, Noah, you're up next. Levi wants a roast for his cousin Tanner. Oh, yeah. Tanner's one of those guys who works out a lot and hopes that, you know, if he's lumpy enough everywhere else, you'll mistake his hairless scalp for an extra bicep. <laughs> I think his brain flexed all the hair out of his head or something, you know. Oh, no. But congratulations on working out your uh, Mormonism problem there, Tanner. Glad to see you finally got the easiest of all the questions correct. And judging by your Facebook photos, here's hoping that you'll eventually be able to apply that same level of judgment to questions like, should I be caught dead in this T-shirt? <laughs> all right, Cecil, Garrett would like a roast for Coach Melvin. Okay. What the hell does it say about your basketball coaching style when your main strategy is scrolling through Instagram while the kids are practicing? <laughs> like, posting up suddenly got a lot less exciting for these kids. <laughs> I could see spending a bit of time on Insta flaunting your big-time lifestyle, but you're posting torso mirror selfies. Like, what? like cut off at the knees and the head. Like, it's just your, what? your, your <laughs> fucking shirt and your gym shorts. What the fuck, dude? I mean, if you want to show up late and be disinterested and play around with your phone the whole time, why not just fill in for Tom on Citation Media when he has the week? Why not just do that? All right. So I already had to learn how to pronounce an Icelandic volcano, so I didn't bother learning the correct pronunciation here. But, Tom, how about a roast for Norwegian politician Sylvie Listaug for truths? Yeah, that, that's not going to be a problem. Sylvie is trying to ruin Norway. Think about that. That's Norway. I would gobble up Norway's sloppy seconds until it was running down my chin. And I would be fucking grateful for it. Right? And this useless, horrid person is trying to ruin the best things about Norway. Hey, Sylvie, if you take away the great education and health care... All you have left is the cold and the endless monotonous dark. <laughs> that the only reason Norway is a secular socialist paradise is because it's either that or rely on pickled fish to catch the world's attention. <laughs> like, how the fuck do you live in Norway and look around and be angry and be like, gee, this is all working so well. I should fix that by ruining it forever. <laughs> all right, spectacular. So now it is time for our first Spightning Round. 
And the category is bad dads. So I got a series of dads, and I want you to tell me what we would find inside their Father's Day card. We're going to start with Cat's dad, Michael. Okay, well, the photo we got is showing Michael, who who got injured playing geriatric rugby recently. Oh! <laughs> and he's he's trying to dress up for Halloween as a sexy bride. That was the goal. But he somehow landed on Tennis Pirate, which is weird. I don't know how you got to that. <laughs> so along with your Father's Day card, I'm also sending a tennis ball to stick on the bottom of your sexy bride peg leg that you're be wearing all the time after your next rugby match. Probably stop playing rugby. Uh, and how about Laura's dad, Tom? Well, we know why you old people start acting nice as you get older. It's like a kid being super sweet in late December. <laughs> Don't worry, we won't forget you're a prick. As to the card, let's, you know, I say pay him back the $400 with a gift card for Charmin toilet paper because he's the world's biggest asshole. Okay? <laughs> All right, uh, we got one here for Dustin's dad, David. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and take a look. All right, on the cover, it's a tool belt. It's pretty standard dad card stuff. Says Happy Father's Day. Let's open it up. And wow, okay, that's a lot. I'll just start. Uh, dad. Okay, we skipped deer. That's that's not a good sign. <laughs> Get that right over that one. Father. Uh, let's see. Hello. <laughs> Men set a pretty low bar for parenting, and still you manage to fail at meeting even the most mundane expectations. Uh, for Father's Day, I want you to take the day off. Just relax and spend the day thinking about fatherhood. Well, that's nice. And about what it means and what it could mean and about what having a really deep and lasting bond with your son should feel like. Okay. Uh, this is the next line. Now think about how you failed utterly, completely, and perfectly <laughs> in that responsibility. Take a moment. Reflect on your cruelty, your indifference, and embrace this. This is your legacy. Uh, happy Father's Day. Oh, and, and happy is crossed off, and so is father. <laughs> Ouch. All right, happy Eli. Day. Uh, what day. does Laura's card to Bill say? Oh, dear Bill. Well, I know how much you care about responsible birth control, so please see includedancestry.com printout to see that your dad did not feel the same way. So... Congrats to your crusty dick dad for slaying all the pussy you're too scared to get. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> I have a remarkably similar one for uh, Sarah's dad, Pete. This is an awkward card because she recently found out that her dad had an illegitimate half-brother and wanted me to make fun of her dad about his, in her words, horn dog old man. So I feel like we have like a Russian nesting doll situation. With the, so it would be, just be like glad to be the one you admitted to with a note that says pass it on, right? And then I guess. <laughs> All right. So now it's time for a round of special requests. First up, Eli, Elizabeth would like you to roast her 14-year-old son, Atticus. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure Atticus is already the head of a company worth several times all the money I've ever made in my life. So <laughs> he builds trebuchets and has a knight's helmet. Nice. So uh, first of all, that Atticus, awesome. don't think I don't see that you're trying to slide into my position as Cecil's best friend. Okay, yeah, I see not, you. Not best friends. Not best okay. friends. Not no. now, Cecil. Not in front of Atticus. However, <laughs> however, Atticus, the bad news is your pure Aryan genes have unfortunately made you look like 
the Malfoy that was too racist for the Malfoy family reunion. <laughs> <laughs> you, you look like you got kicked out of Hogwarts for marching out of the Forbidden Forest yelling, Jews will not replace us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Noah, got one for you here. Emma would like you to roast her cat, Jezebel. All right, yeah, so Jezebel is apparently an idiot cat who constantly gets outsmarted by household objects and once had to be rescued from a harrowing fight with a dried chunk of her own shit that she was losing, right? <laughs> so scrappy. Scrappy little piece. So so here's the thing, Jezebel, though. The bar is not that high to begin with. You're a fucking cat. You belong to a species known for mistaking I can see the bottom for there's no food in it. <laughs> that thinks they're still going to catch that glowing red light one of these days that chews on the cactus more than once. <laughs> and you are dumb for that. <laughs> you know, you, like, you know how even in a Trump cabinet meeting, there still has to be a dumbest person in the room? You're like that, only like without the evil and bigotry. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right. So next up, we have an interesting challenge for you, Heath. Okay. Jennifer would like you to do an ode to Scotch. Hark! <laughs> thine <laughs> plaintive call, <laughs> beckoning me to my nightstand as I wake. <laughs> All right. Your voice, redolent, serpentine, <laughs> synecdoche. What? <laughs> <laughs> that I may slake mine thirst and wash down plaque and clotted saliva. Oh, fantastic. Well that done. Is, well done. <laughs> magic. That is magic. It's pure oh, magic. Thank you. All right, Cecil. See you, Doc. Um, I'm on a roast for Larry's cousin's husband, whose name is literally Chad. <laughs> this guy has truck nuts on his big douchebag truck you sent pictures in, you have to start calling him hanging Chad. I do have to do that. <laughs> Chad is a fucking coward milk toast racist. Like, oh, I'm not a Nazi. I just really like their logo. <laughs> <laughs> you look good in the hood, dipshit, because you're racist, not because it makes your face look thinner. <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, Tom, why don't you do Olivia's ex-coworker, Christopher? All right, well, Olivia says she's been trying to set this guy on fire with her mind for years. What? I know why that wouldn't work, Olivia. People the size of Christopher, they can't be set alight. The best you're going to do is a decent <laughs> rendering of them. That's it. Like, can a man be made of tallow? The whole man? That's a lot of the man. Is that even a human component to make people of? I Look, I get it that Christopher's bad at his job, and he disappears on you for hours. I can see how that would make you upset. I get that, but here's the thing. I know where Christopher goes when he sneaks off all day. He's in the shitter, Olivia. He is sitting there in a tiny stall with the odor of the waste of his life wafting up at him like the perfume of his failures. And he is breathing it in, Olivia. He is reveling in it because that stench, heavy and vile, that is the essence of him. That Stench is the distillation of every broken dream of his lost and desperate life. And all he knows how to do is hide from all the people around him that so often can when he so completely cannot and bask in the stench of his own waste and ruin. <laughs> Basking in his own fecal stench. Exactly. That's exactly where I was hoping we would wind up at this point in the show. 
All right, so we're going to wrap Listen things to up. the show at dinner. <laughs> <laughs> With a round for our high rollers, these heavy hitters paid the big bucks, so they're going to get a section of roast all to themselves. We're going to start with Nathan, who forked over $300 for a roast of himself from the entire scathing crew. All right, so the photo we got shows Nathan with Dave Warnock, an ex-pastor with ALS, who's educating the world about how to die as a non-believer on his Dying Out Loud tour. And right next to Dave Warnock is Nathan, a lawn gnome for a giant, <laughs> whose beard-related hypertension is ironically the silent killer. <laughs> Strong juxtaposition by the artist who took the photograph. Yeah. <laughs> that beard has a capillary system. <laughs> you know, his T-shirt says, I'm a hugger on it, and I bet those smell awesome. <laughs> no, I said, but I do, I like the beard. The salt and pepper beard is good. It goes all with all the uh, chunks of food that are embedded in it really well. Compliments, everything compliments it's everything else. Yeah. If a fantasy dwarf could turn on, tune in, and drop out, Nathan would be that dwarf. <laughs> he looks like the kind of guy who would offer a stranger a massage at a concert, a high school band concert. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right. So who's got a roast for the Denver International Airport? Every time I've flown into Denver International, I had to break through like this blanket of smoke, and I can't figure out if it was forest fires or weed. <laughs> I'm not sure which one it was. Yeah, Denver International Airport wastes 50% of its flights, and I'm talking about the ones that go into Denver. <laughs> <laughs> you know, most airports have food stalls and like maybe a lounge or two. That's not for Denver. Flights that land in Denver may as well ask you to tuck and roll onto the highway without touching down while you hope you don't get run over by a 17-year-old DJ driving for Uber. <laughs> the stupidest fucking airport. It's the second largest airport on the entire goddamn planet. It's the 16th busiest. <laughs> Most of the size is literally only there so your gate can be further fucking away. <laughs> the, the whole complex is tainted by all these like wild Illuminati conspiracy theories, and as silly as those are, they make more sense than the official story of, no, we legitimately thought this was a good Designed for a fucking airport. <laughs> also, as a member of the Illuminati myself, I'm offended that our Nazi bunker under the airport doesn't have a Brookstone. <laughs> also offended that it's in Denver. Like, if you're going to Colorado, John Galt's Invisible Airport is way nicer. <laughs> Just as a facility. All right, so how about a little uh, of the same treatment for Joel, who donated 300 big ones for us to roast him? Yeah, Joel asked for us to make him cry, but since none of us are a paternity test, I don't think we're a paternity test. He looks like if he did any manscaping, he'd disappear completely as a <laughs> You look like a version of Guy Fieri that only visits Flavortown in segregationist Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joel looks like he celebrates breakfast with a bottle of dessert wine in a 7-Eleven parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I have a tricky one here. Ted presented us with a kind of a smorgasbord of roasties and another $300 to charity, and he gave us the privilege to do whichever we want. So, uh, so feel free to dive in. I'm going to start us off. Uh, he asked us to roast the year. But at the time, it was 2019 is like that chick that gave you crabs. But little did we know she was going to introduce us to her sister, 2020, who has a vagina full of murder hornets. <laughs> <laughs> he also gave us the opportunity to roast his honeymoon picture. <laughs> it's, 
It's rough. <laughs> I've never been more certain of a honeymoon suite that did not get a single noise complaint. <laughs> they could have had their wedding night in an open library. Zero. <laughs> and uh, Tom, something tells me you might have just a thing for Dylan's mother-in-law and her daughter. I uh, got yeah, Dylan. Your mother-in-law and sister-in-law, they sound awful, but I mean, you know how else they sound? They sound fucking boring. I don't mean lazy, and I don't mean uninteresting. I mean, like, bone-deep boring. They're kind of boring where as soon as you meet them, you forget the name of everyone in the room in a kind of mental self-defense just so you don't accidentally remember even the tiniest <laughs> piece of contextual information about them. It's like cancer. you got to cut around the information about these people. Like, these seem like the kind of people whose blood runs beige. You know, like they can't even fight it in their hearts to stir up some shit or rabble rouse in a meaningful way. They seem boring in a way that sucks all the air out of the room and makes you glad to asphyxiate because at least it's something to do now. <laughs> all right. And finally, Jason's kids got together. They put in $275 for us to roast Donald Trump. So my challenge to you is a kid friendly roast. Of Donald Trump for Jason to play for his very generous kids. I'm all about this. Okay. So, uh, hey, kids, why don't you go ahead and open up that piggy bank one more time? You got it? Okay, you just paid Donald Trump's income tax. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Okay, uh, I can play a kid-friendly roast of Trump. Let's see. Once upon a time, there lived a man who had a life so small he had to scream all day just to make sure he was heard. So he screamed and he screamed and he screamed until one day all those screams piled up upon him like an enormous weight and he was crushed slowly and painfully beneath the devastating weight of his lies and deceit. Lollipops. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. All right, kids. Donald Trump is like the witch in Hansel and Gretel. We're the kids, and the oven is coronavirus, okay? <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> I wonder how hot that oven is, Trump. I just wonder how hot. I don't know. All right, and I'm hesitant to ask, but, um, Eli? Yeah. Um. <gasps> okay, well, I specifically told him the children were going to be listening to that, so while we lawyer up, we're going to take a break, but we'll be back. There are still plenty more vulgarity where that came from. Tom, Cecil, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It was a blast, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Okay, what if I take out the part with the giraffe? It's worse, actually. Yeah, that's definitely worse. Definitely worse. I like the giraffe. Before we save and quit tonight, I wanted to apologize to anybody who went looking for the book to pre-order over the last week. We were waiting on approvals when last week's episode came out. It turned out that there was a formatting error that we had to fix, so we didn't get those approvals. We are in the same place again now, but better. Again, keep an eye out on our Facebook page or follow at PIATPod on Twitter for links to pre-order on all formats as soon as they're available. Anyway, that's all the blast we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptocrat, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Monday, and even new episodes 
episode of our sister show's hot friend got off of movies debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday and an even newer episode of our half sister show citation needed debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this would be a sub episode if I neglected to thank Heath Enright for constantly reminding me that Ben Shapiro's wife told him a wet vagina was a disease. I need to thank the lovely and talented Lucinda Lucians, whose segment will be back next week. I want to thank the lovely in his own way, Eli Bosnick, for reminding everybody that evolution and survival of the fittest are not the same thing. I want to thank Tom and Cecil one more time for hanging out with us tonight and reminding you to check out the Cognitive Dissonance podcast if you haven't done that yet. Also want to thank Bill from Seamline.com for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. That's aligned with a Y, so just check the show notes for all your operatic and renaissance tights needs. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's most honorable mentions. Amber Jewish Monk, Kenneth Madison, Don Uriah, Martin, Matthew, Nathan, John, Policy, Nonk, Sawyer, Adrian, and Rough Sketch. Amber Jewish Monk, Kenneth Madison, and Don, who are so bright people flash their high beams at them when they walk at night. Uriah, Martin, Matthew, Nathan, and John, who are so virile they don't have to call the doctor until hour six. And Policy, Nonk, Sawyer, Adrian, and Rough Sketch, who are so badass Mr. Miyagi would have let him use a belt sander. Together, these 14 forthright fornicators forfeited a forkful of fortune to fortify our foray into the formidable four of fraudulent fucks this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the keen sense of personal style it takes to give us money, but if you think you're up to the challenge, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but not in an us-having-your-money kind of way, you can also help a ton by leaving a five-star review, telling a friend about the show, or following at PIATPod on Twitter. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robson handles our social media. Our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingadius.com. Stephen Miller, too? I was like, okay, all right. All right. As April Pop says, maybe the wishes just work like upvotes. <laughs> <laughs> I like Hem- Hemet's been tweeting like hard week for our business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good run, everybody. <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm LLC, copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Warning if you're easily offended by bad words, fuck off and stop listening now. Or don't, either way. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Stamps.com, Allbirds, HelloFresh, and by the communication device for information warriors who don't want their entire digital history of lying recorded on their phone. The alternative fax machine. You could save $45 million or more by switching now. And now, the scathing atheist. Hello, I'm the Will Dash of Izzle. And while I was created at the silence at the end of the first song before time caught its breath and the wind started to blow again, I can assure you that you did in fact evolve from filthy monkey men. It's August 11th, and it's Ingersoll Day. Big ups to our favorite agnostic. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from New York-adjacent New Jersey and Ann Arbor, Michigan, this is The Skating Atheist. On this week's episode, Marjorie Taylor Greene brings hard solipsism to political philosophy. (laughs) 
The Christian furries continue their struggle against the Luciferies. <laughs> and we'll spend a night at the Creation Museum without getting to rub shit on any of the displays. <laughs> but first, the Elia tribe. One of the benefits of my job is that listeners do me the truly excellent service of curating the internet stupid and presenting it to me on a pretty regular basis. And as I was considering what to write about this week, a piece of dumb came across my desk so brilliantly idiotic that I just had to talk to you about it. See, it was a post on Christian Reddit in which the poster claimed that the word fundy is an anti-Christian slur and that they, quote, would no longer engage with anyone who used the slur, just like if they had called a black person the N-word, end quote. And as I lay there on my office floor, crippled by the sheer dumb fuckery of what I had just heard, I knew what I wanted to talk to you about today. See, here's the thing about slurs. When you say that something is a slur, the word that comes to someone's mind is the N-word. I mean, yes, it's not the only slur, but it's the slur of such historical significance and contention that it's what you think of when someone says the word. When a black person hears that word, the unimaginable weight and history of racism falls directly on their ears in a way that white people literally can't conceptualize. And that is the problem. You see, because white people literally can't relate to a word representing hundreds of years of their slavery, or a police state designed to murder them, or racism against them that pervades society even today, when we hear a word as a slur, we think a slur means a word that hurts my feelings. More importantly, slurs represent something very different to white people, in that it is almost exclusively a form of social power we don't have. You know, we've all heard the various Uncle Franks in our lives wondering aloud why they can't say the N-word, but these rappers can. And that's asinine, but it's also indicative of one of whiteness's most dangerous aspects, that there's literally no form of power, no matter how minuscule, we'll tolerate not having. And when you combine this misunderstanding of what a slur is with a desire for the perceived power they bring you, you get white Christians making up slurs like Fundy. Now, maybe all this is old news to you, right? Christians have been finding shit to be offended and oppressed by since they were not being fed to lions in the Colosseum. But I know my audience, and you're empathetic people. Many of you, like me, had a lot of growing up to do over the years, and when someone tells you something's a slur, you're inclined to listen. Maybe you, like me, have been wrong about that kind of thing before. And after all, what could the harm be of being aware of someone else's feelings? Isn't it better to err on the side of caution than dismiss someone's hurt? Maybe. But maybe we shouldn't let Christians and Anyone else who steps up to the plate with a made-up slur diminish the meaning and power of those words. Maybe a slur isn't something a person should be able to claim as a Hail Mary in an internet fight. Maybe a slur 
is a powerful earmark of history and pain that you and I should count our lucky stars we can't relate to, rather than coming up with our own real quick to gain background in the pain Olympics that, I gotta admit, only white people seem to sign up for. And maybe if Christians like that poster on Reddit had to grapple with what it means when the things that hurt your feelings are just that, they might understand what I think is one of the hardest bits of social justice to get your head around. That social justice is not about personal discomfort or pain. That personal misfortune, no matter how bad, is not and cannot be the same as systematic inequality and should not be treated as such just because you'd like to be taken seriously. Look, there are times and places throughout history when it has been hard and even deadly to be a Christian. Nobody's denying that. There have been Christian slaves and Christian genocides, and the pain of those people is real and deserves empathy. But social justice, despite the fever nightmares of Ted Cruz, is not about the redistribution of power, and thus is not a breadline for white people to take their place in whenever they feel entitled to it. And this knowledge, this exclusion, it's uncomfortable. It feels bad. It stirs cognitive dissonance. Believe me, someone will write to me about this diatribe to tell me that I couldn't possibly understand what it was like to be a white guy the time they got the smallest ice cream cone at the water park. But it's a discomfort I think it's important white people learn to live with. Because if we do... Maybe we'd be a little more eager to solve the inequalities others face rather than focusing on how our own compare. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight is the smart, funny, and talented to my tall, Eli Bosnick. Eli, <laughs> you ready to, I don't know, toss me another adjective if you, if you got a second? Mm, needy? All right, we're going to take a quick break for just not crying. Nobody's going to be crying. We're just going to take a regular quick break for our sponsor, Stamps.com. Hi, I'm Eli Bosnick. And I'm Heath Enright. You might be wondering just how we managed to convince our good buddy No Illusions to take a vacation this week. After all, you say, weren't his last three vacations him writing a book, having all his teeth removed, and having COVID? And to that we say, yes, yes, they were. And that's why last week, after we lulled him to sleep with... Eight Thorazine that we ground up in a hot pocket, we took apart his computer and microphones and mailed each piece along the route of his vacation this week. Wow, he that must have cost us a pretty penny. Not at all, actually, because we used Stamps.com. What's Stamps.com? Great question. Stamps.com gives you access to all the post office and UPS shipping services you need right from your computer and get discounts you can't find anywhere else like up to 30% off USPS rates and 86% off UPS. So distributing the pieces of Noah's workstation were easier than ever. All you need is your regular computer and printer. No special supplies or equipment. Plus, Stamps.com seamlessly works with Shopify, Amazon, Etsy, eBay, and more. You're up and running in minutes, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send it. You can even order shipping supplies through Stamps.com, including free priority mail envelopes and boxes. So don't mail and ship the hard way. Sign up with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code SCATHING for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code SCATHING. All right, Heath, but isn't Noah going to be mad at us when he gets back? He is. He is. That's why I'm going on vacation the week after. Smart. 
Can I come? No. Beans. And we're back. In our lead story tonight, we have a follow-up on a story from a couple weeks ago about Bishop Lamore Whitehead, <laughs> who was robbed at gunpoint during a live stream of the service at his congregation on July 24th. According to his account, the thieves took about a million dollars worth of jewelry. A million dollars! A million dollars! And he happened to just be wearing a million dollars worth of jewelry at that exact moment, which is very unfortunate. He also posted a video on Instagram later that day saying that he told everyone in his congregation to get down when he saw three armed men enter the room. But he forgot that when you're live streaming what happens to be a robbery, there's a video of the robbery. And he definitely didn't say get down to anyone. Sure didn't. Well, that very obvious lie that he got caught in, combined with reporters later digging up his very long history of criminal lying that he's been convicted for, and, of course, the video of the robbery looking like Whitehead was somehow existing about 10 seconds into the future, (laughs) all that stuff has led to speculation that Whitehead knew the robbers were coming. Okay, to be fair, in the script they wrote together, he does say get down to everybody. <laughs> he just forgot his lines and all the excitement. So, yeah, I can see what the mistake is. <laughs> like, during this thing, it might as well have been like, line? Got it. Keep Honestly, going. Keep if going. someone had called for line, it would not have been the least realistic <laughs> thing about this. We'll get to the least realistic thing about yeah, this will. robbery in a second. We will. Okay, but first, here's a little background on Whitehead. That was recently uncovered by reporters after this incident. Starting in 2005, he ran a series of identity theft scams and stole about $2 million. That eventually led to a conviction and five years in prison. While he was in prison, he got successfully sued by the victim of a $200,000 loan scam that he pulled off during his time as a mortgage broker. He also had multiple judgments against him in lawsuits by car companies and home builders for unpaid debts and bad checks. And during the incarceration, he also just happened to find God and Jesus. And God told him to start a prosperity gospel church, which it turns out is basically a tax-exempt meeting place for fraud victims. (laughs) That includes one of his parishioners who was recovering from surgery and needed help getting a loan to buy a house. This was in 2020. Whitehead offered to help and she sent him her entire life savings of $90,000. Oh. Yeah, well, Had she did not out. get a loan, Mm-mm. and she can't get the money back now. According to her lawsuit, which she has now filed, he's just keeping that money, and he's claiming it was a donation to his campaign for Brooklyn Borough President. Uh, he got 1.4% of the vote in that 2021 <laughs> election, by the way. Side note, he lives in Paramus, New Jersey, in a house worth about $1.6 million. Okay, people, if an identity thief discovers your religious practice and thinks to himself, oh, fuck, this is way easier, it tells you something about the nature of your religious practice, huh? Sure the fuck does. So, just to be clear, yes, it's possible that he's not lying about the robbery on the live stream. I mean, a lot of things are possible, (laughs) Right, that's possible. But... If you watch the video with your goddamn eyes, it's a lot less possible. The moment the robbers come through the door, we watch this. Whitehead immediately says, all right, all right, all right, all right, in response to nothing. And he yeah. lays down on the ground in response to nothing yet. Like, he might as well say, you you guys, you wanted me to lay down on the ground just like this, right? I feel like you were about to say that. You were line. Gonna, your line was, your line was to... 
to tell me to, to do that. And then, okay, yeah, no, I, I got it. I'm on it. And then, according to Whitehead, they came up to him and took a bunch of jewelry, including his bishop's ring and his bishop's chain. So <laughs> I didn't know those existed. Apparently, you wear that stuff over your bishop costume, so everyone knows you're the bishop because they can see your bishop chain. I don't know. But he says they also took several other chains that he had underneath his robe. I guess he he just wanted extra neck support that day, like a bunch of really heavy gold neck support. Just bad luck to get robbed right then. Okay. And they, they've covered this, right? Okay, assuming, allegedly, that this is fake. He's like, oh, here's my chain, here's my ring. And then they do like an et cetera. Back and yes, they just like <laughs> wave their hand. Yep. He's like, this is where the other things I will be claiming were stolen go. <laughs> Yada, yada, yada. It's ridiculous. Also, one other detail here. His assistant pastor guy, we see this. He's just sitting in a chair in the side of the frame about five or ten feet away from the armed robbery that's happening. And this guy is looking medium bored with the whole thing. He's just (laughs) like, eh. Oh, here's a new robbery. Well, you know what it is? He listens to this show, and he knows that the stunt could have been hawking a loogie on his face or rubbing poop on his hands, so he's just grateful. <laughs> he's grateful for the church he's in. Okay, just one other thing. When asked by a reporter if the jewelry was insured, Whitehead refused to answer, and he said... That's a legal question. Hippo violation. That's a crazy response. The possible answers are yes or no, right? Or or maybe even I don't know would make some sense. But but objection, hearsay, <laughs> Latin word, legal, that's absurd. Overruled. And it turns out the actual answer to was the jewelry insured is yes. According to Whitehead's lawyer, who got asked about it later, the stolen items were at least partially insured. Again, Okay, none of this proves anything. Whitehead could be lying, or it's possible that he is a prosperity gospel preacher with a history of fraud who was not running a scam this one time. It's hard to say. Yeah, you You never know. We're skeptics. Skeptics. Open question. (laughs) And in Jewish question. And in minority (laughs) report news. GOP Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene didn't exactly quote... Adolf Hitler last week. Not quite exactly. She didn't. She said something so incredibly similar it could be considered a paraphrase. <laughs> That's but, correct. But she didn't exactly quote Hitler, and the Christian right is taking that as a win this week as Midge Tijgidge once again proudly. <laughs> okay, that's fantastic. Midge Tijgidge, yeah. I'm calling her Midge Tijgidge forever. So okay. important. Yeah. So she proudly proclaimed herself a Christian nationalist and then this week added that most Americans are too. Okay. Well, depending on how you define that, she, she's off by... At least a little, hopefully. Is she <laughs> off by some something, some yeah. amount? Yeah. So this, That'd be great. Yeah, we hope so. So this statement comes in response to a popular meme that went around last week that replaced the Green Machine's words with Adolf Hitler's, right? Adolf Hitler's quote, we tolerate no one in our ranks who attacks the ideas of Christianity. Our movement is Christian. That's, That's weird. I thought Hitler was an atheist. I know, right? People so always say send that one to Uncle Frank. But again, Marjorie Taylor Green didn't say that. Here's what she said. And play a little game and spot the difference. We need to be a party of nationalism. And I'm a Christian, and I say it proudly. We should be Christian nationalists. 
I also call myself a Christian nationalist, and that's not a bad word. That's actually a good thing, right? End quote. So, as you can see, um, huge difference there. I, I literally think you read the exact same thing. In my head, that was <laughs> exactly the same quote. Okay, I will say this, though. I mean, you know, say what you will about Hitler. Okay. At least he didn't have to see the Holocaust Museum to know it was different than vaccination rules. That thing he did called the Holocaust was different, and he knew that. That is true. He actually relaxed vaccination rules, just for the record. (laughs) Hitler did that. Yeah. So it actually gets worse. When she was asked about her statements on the stage of Christian Nationalist Conference CPAC, Madge doubled down on her statement, saying, quote, When I said I'm a Christian nationalist, I have nothing to be ashamed of because that's what most Americans are. We're proud of our faith, end quote. Gross. And, yeah, that's not what any of those words mean, but it's also important (laughs) to remember that she is deeply wrong about those numbers as well. Good. Okay, that's good. As Hammett over at the Friendly Atheist blog points out, according to a recent Pew report, only about 10% of Americans identify as staunchly conservative and deeply loyal to Donald Trump. That number is still way too high. Sure is. The number of people that were willing to vote for Trump again was terrifyingly higher. Yep. But it's definitely not anything close to the word most. Hell, Fair enough. It's not even most of Republicans. Yeah. Okay. No, I see. I see what you're saying. But it is most of the Supreme Court. Mm. Now, they might not be big Trump supporters at this point, every single one of them, but they're definitely doing some Christian nationalism in their rulings. Those six. So. Yeah, okay, MTG, definitely wrong, but I'm just saying she's not wrong enough for me. I needed her to be off by, like, a couple orders of magnitude here. Yeah, much more wrong. Yeah. Hey, apropos of nothing, Heath, while Noah Uh isn't here, do you remember how we defeated the Nazis? Was it Um, it voting? Was it the voting of Dresden? Was it that famous... Anyway, I don't know. We'll figure it out okay. some other time. Anyways, I bring up I feel like story. you and uh, Majtaj Gadge need to go to the Holocaust <laughs> Museum because those are different. But I get what you're saying. I that. would yes, love I to be alone in a museum with Marjorie Taylor Greene. I can say that on the record. <laughs> anyway, I bring up this story for a couple of reasons. First of all, as you can tell, I have a lot of nicknames for Marjorie Taylor Greene. Had to get them out there. Had to clear the pipe. But it's also important to remember that people like her and those Supreme Court justices are creating a very public image of Christianity that the vast majority of Christians in this country not only disagree with, they abhor it. And I got news for you, podcast listener. These people aren't finding groovy liberal churches to run to. They're finding us, the atheist movement. Hopefully some of them, yeah. Yeah. And to MTG, I say... Thank you for the recruitment drive. <laughs> we could use the numbers in the midterms. Yeah. Also, do you like Midge Tidge Gidge or Madge Tadge Gadge Ooh, I'm going to go with Midge Tidge Gidge because Madge makes me think of my pug. And I'm... Oh, yeah. I was using Madge for yeah. that purpose. Okay. Well, everybody let us know what you like better. And in Shamilton news. God, this is so good. This is amazing. A church in Texas directly stole the entire Hamilton musical and illegally staged their own production last week. And then they got caught. And then they got caught lying about how they're sorry for getting caught. Yep. And now they're desperately trying to hide every piece of video evidence, whilst friendly atheist Hemet Meta is gleefully publicizing every piece of video evidence because they, that's how the internet works. They might as well just have had a big, wet grocery bag full of child porn burst open in front of the cops. They're just... <laughs> Stuffing the Hamilton down there. They're eating it like it's coming down the line like Lucy and Ethel. You got you got Hamilton in your mouth? 
<laughs> you have hamburger in your mouth. <laughs> so the culprit here is the Dorm McAllen Church in McAllen, Texas. And apparently they've been stealing shows for years without any consequences. And to make this particular theft even worse, they tried to shove a whole Christianity subplot into the Hamilton show. It's so Hamilton. their production, it was mostly a word-for-word theft of the original. But they also added a part where Alexander Hamilton gets saved by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they had a pastor come on stage at the end to tell everyone, and this is almost exactly the quote, God can help you with the sin of homosexuality. Stop being gay. Okay. They use King George as an example of a gay guy. They turn him straight at the end of the minute. They literally hunted through the script of Hamilton for the gayest character in hopes of proving their point. Yep. So, based on the clips that Hammett managed to gather, they didn't even do a good job of stealing one of the most successful Broadway musicals of all time. No, they did not. And it looks like they actually had some relatively talented local actors and a pretty big budget. So, all they had to do was use the stolen material. That's it. But they insisted on adding their stupid fucking God part. So, you're in the middle of a brilliant score by Lin-Manuel Miranda... And then the whole thing grinds to a screeching halt, and you get what some pastor added, which is like, also then, Jesus, I'm rapping, pleases. Back to Lin-Manuel Miranda. Very often negating the point, right? The, the clip that's gone viral is him being like, and if I do throw away my shot, it won't matter because I'm saved in the light of Jesus Christ. And you can <laughs> yep. see the other actors on stage being like, what? What? Why that's the opposite of what this plays? It's fine. Also, also, sorry, we should point out that unlike Hamilton on Broadway, this cast had a lot more white people sure did. than is prescribed. Sure did. And let me tell you, podcast listener, white Hamilton hits exactly as wrong as you feel like it does. So... Yeah, at some point after their first performance of White Hamilton, there were some Latino people, but yes, it was uh, pretty Wham- white. Hamilton, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> after their first performance of Hamilton, somebody noticed their, well, highly publicized stolen musical that they live streamed on YouTube, and reporter Howard Sherman wrote a story about it. That's when they went on their Eventbrite page and canceled the upcoming final performance because they got in trouble. But it turns out the church was also at that very moment circulating a message that said, yeah, we're still doing it. Just don't tell fucking Howard Sherman. Well, someone told fucking Howard Sherman and sent him a copy of the message that said, don't tell Howard Sherman. Here's what it said exactly. It said, great news. We're continuing with our showing tonight. You'll see the Eventbrite listing as canceled, but we are able to proceed. That's the end of the actual thing. We're big fat liars is what they didn't say. Just a quick announcement before the show. We're invisible. You can't see us, Howard (laughs) Sherman. (laughs) So it turns out they did end up going ahead with that second performance. And then the next day, their head pastor claimed it was all totally legit because they got permission from, quote, the Hamilton team. No, they did. <laughs> the Hamiltons not. spoke to us. <laughs> the Hamiltonians. We spoke with them. Get out of here. Well, according to them, a lawyer who, a real lawyer, definitely real. Uh, the lawyer has a real name. 
got in touch with them and said it's all good. Um, yeah, so again, I think they're lying. I think they're liars. Or, to be fair, or we live in a country where the owners of Hamilton would rather let their musical be stolen to help sell a bigotry lesson. They'd rather do that than deal with the blowback of telling a church, don't steal our thing. Or both. It's probably both. They must be lying. Look, there's absolutely no chance in the depths of the deepest hells that the infamously unavailable (laughs) Broadway musical Hamilton opened up their copyright for the first time to a homophobic church. Absolutely not. It's not what happened. (laughs) That guy just walked out and he was like, I actually talked to... Mr. Don't say Hamilton. Lawyer. <laughs> you shouldn't have said Hamilton. The even. lawyer. <laughs> His name is Ham. Hamilton. Hamilton. Yes. Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. All right, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Allbirds. Hi, I'm Heath Enright here to tell you about our next sponsor this week, Allbirds, and I hate them. Sorry, Heath, did you say you hate our sponsor? Yes, yes, I do. They have a mean, like, fairy thing as their mascot, and he turned me into a donkey. Yeah, that's true, he did. But Allbirds create shoes and clothing that are better for you and better for the planet using a revolutionary roster of premium natural materials, like their popular tree runner sneaker. Yeah, well, their mascot trapped me in a glade and then made a fairy queen fall in love with me while I was a donkey. I mean, like, okay, that part was pretty cool. Uh, The donkey part, though, that was not at all. Why is it called the tree runner, you ask? I did not ask that. I asked if I could trap him in a circle of salt before. Because it's made from eucalyptus tree fiber, a lightweight, breathable, and silky soft material making the Tree Runner the perfect everyday shoe for getting the most out of sunny days. You hear what All I said? Birds sent me, Eli, the host of this podcast, a pair to try, and they are my favorite new walking around shoe. They are light and breathable, plus they're way more stylish than what I usually wear. Then he trapped me in the past. Find your the new time favorite dimension in the past. For sunny days and upcoming travel at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S. Dot com. Find his secret name and send him to the shade under the tall tree Heath. forever. I mean, I mean, buy the Allbirds shoes. The shoes, the shoes, they are actually really nice. They're, not, like they're the nice shoes. shoes. Yeah, no, it's true. The shoes are nice. Super comfy. And we're back. Uh, speaking of which, by the way, during that ad break, we did get permission to air Hamilton on the rest <laughs> of this podcast. Yeah. Spoke to Mr. Ham Hamilton himself. Turns out he's just, he's just giving it away this week. Um... Give them a ring. We also own the Beatles. Yep, the Beatles. (laughs) And in Beaver Damnation news, we have a story about evangelical Christian furries. Hmm. Yeah, kind of exciting. Just in case anyone's not familiar, the term furry means a person who's part of a subculture that's interested in anthropomorphic animals and often involves cosplay in costume as a furry animal, also known as a fursona. When you dress up, you're in your fursona. Sometimes, but not always, that includes furry-themed sexual activity, which is often called boinking. Also worth noting for context, furry fandom happens to be a group that's very accepting of the LGBTQ community. Well, the Christian Furry Fellowship, or CFF, is a thing that exists. Yes, they are. They're a subgroup of furry fandom consisting of furries who also believe a genocidal ghost created the universe and that ghost hates gay people. And the CFF 
would like everyone to know that they're being unfairly persecuted for their faith. Okay. And I feel really bad for them. To be clear, they think Jesus wants people to dress up as foxes and fuck each other within the confines of straight <laughs> marriage only. <laughs> That's, that is, ex that must run through their head. Yes, correct. <laughs> so, we learned about the plight of the Christian furry in a recent article from the Religion News Service. Several CFF leaders spoke about their very important problem that we should take very seriously. <laughs> they have to hide their personas from their church people, and they have to hide their bigot faith from their furry people at the same time. Oh. All they're trying to do is infiltrate a very loving community and explain why a bunch of people in that community are going to burn in hell for all eternity. And it's really hard for them as Christians. According to one CFF organizer who has a red fox persona, quote, my furry friendships are a blessing. And for that reason, I'm sad to see so much grief within the fandom that could be helped by the knowledge of the capitalized L, Lord, end quote. Oh, you got cum all over your brand new fursuit, huh? Well, <laughs> brother, if I may offer a solution, <laughs> I'd love to tell you about a man. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Here's another example of a Christian furry being persecuted. It's so sad. He goes by the persona Hund the Hound. Get the fuck out of here. And he started a YouTube channel to spread <gasps> the gospel within the furry community. His first ever video was called... Hund the Hound meets Jesus Christ, and it shows Hund the Hound fainting at his computer and having a vision of the Son of God, who tells him about living a biblical lifestyle and saves him. In one of his first responses to that video, in the comment section, someone wrote, What the fuck did I just watch? What the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> and Hund replied, My new channel introduction. And I guess that's not fair, uh, you know, because Hun the Hound is being persecuted. The evangelical Christian blue dog is being persecuted, and it's not fair. Oh, if he thinks that's bad, just wait till he makes one long enough to be featured on god-awful movies, people. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Come on, Hunt. We just need 30 <laughs> minutes. We can do 30. We can do 23, but we'd prefer 30 we minutes. We can introduce you to a guy named Matt Powell, perhaps. Oh, he does do videos. a series of Hunt the Hounds. Maybe you team up. Um, he's got a lot of videos, Heath, and Noah is on vacation here. for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the evangelical Christian furries... They're having a really difficult time, you guys, Take and it's important that somebody speaks up for them. And we like to be good allies for oppressed groups as much as we can here at The Scathing Atheist. So um, we'd all like to say, uh, go boink yourself. Boink your fucking <laughs> face. You're not oppressed. You're fucking fine. You know what solves everything here? Stop being Christian. Mm -hmm. That And that could go at the end of every single headline we do. That solves everything. There you go. I'm sorry. I'm looking through the titles on these fucking... He has a baby! Oh, God! He, what? One of his videos is called Baby Tries on a Fursuit Head. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. The Sexy. person or the fursona hunt the hound has a baby? The fursona hunt... Well, the person and the both. 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 All right. Well, we just like started it. a new podcast, everybody. It's going to be fun. <laughs> it's called... Get fuck out of here. It's called Luciferies. <laughs> oh, so good. All right. And finally tonight, in truly madly deeply news. God, this is uh this is a hard one. This is this is oh, hard. I, this is yeah. tough for us. Um as you may already know, child preaching runder kid and former employee of the month, 
here at Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Matt Powell was sadly devoured by his own asshole this week. And in a last desperate attempt at relevance that I can't help but blame myself for, spewed a bunch of homophobic, transphobic, genocidal bullshit on his YouTube channel. Very sad. Very disappointed. Matt, you were the golden boy. You were our golden boy. You flew too close to the sun, buddy. And what did we always say? What did we say? We always said, don't fly too close to the don't sun and then sun. say homophobic, transphobic, genocidal bullshit and get devoured by your own ass. We said, don't do that. Tragic. It's tragic. Yeah. So uh, let me explain for those of you who don't know. Uh, Matt Powell is a teen preaching sensation who first came across our desk when he <laughs> violated our copyright by putting out a video that was just us <laughs> making fun of him for like a super... <laughs> Super duper long time. Just a long, a long, long clip of us <laughs> roasting him. Like an hour. Anyways, luckily, we here at Puzzle in a Thunderstorm are kind and benevolent. So instead of taking legal action over that copyright violation, we adopted Matt Powell as our own, promising him all the red vines he could eat and a race car bed. A race car bed, Matt! We were going to get you a race car bed. We did. We'd all go to the mall together. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd get a little zany in the photo booth, right? Right? But then serious. But then zany again in the photo booth. I had a whole day planned. He did. He did. Man. Asshole. He did. You ruined it. But then... You had a chance. Exactly. But then... Tragedy struck. In an act of betrayal matched only by Judas's kiss to Jesus and The Rock not coming back for another Fast and the Furious movie, Matt Powell <laughs> took a job working for our arch enemy... Kent or Eric Hovind. I do not remember which one, and I don't care to look it up. But he, I'm pretty sure Eric is just shitty. Kent is the dad who's like multiple felonies and like an I, abuser I feel bad because one of them's just wrong and the other one super yeah. sucks. I think the kid's just dumb and wrong, and then the dad's just like truly evil. But yeah. I, I cannot be asked to Google. I'm sorry. Absolutely not Google. Well, it's one or the other. Yeah, Kent, it's, Eric. He worked Google, for yeah, Anyways, yeah. he did that, and he disappeared from our public eye. Well, sadly, it seems that while he was underground, he was brushing up on his hate speech because he emerged this week to deliver a YouTube sermon that is generously radical Christian terrorism and definitely a direct call to violence. Yeah. And if Matt Powell and his audience, if they were allowed to leave the house without permission from mom, I'd say it was incitement of imminent violence. And if the words you say are not protected by free speech in America, that's insane. You need to be in jail. Yeah. If you're not, your words aren't protected by our super broad version of free speech. You're fucking up, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. So I, I won't repeat most of the shit he said. It's nothing you haven't heard before. Gay people are pedophiles. They're recruiting the children. We should kill drag queens by firing squad. I'm not exaggerating. He actually says that. And then he concludes with a prayer for God to wipe out all the gay people. But my favorite bit is where he says, quote, if you're a homosexual, you can't multiply. The only way you can what? multiply is by molesting children and creating, like zombies, creating more child molesters, end quote. Wow. Okay, first of all, Matt, you're a pastor. Probably don't want to bring up child molesting as a thing. But more importantly, there's absolutely none scenario where Matt Powell does any breeding without some kind of like Stockholm syndrome at play. Exactly. Absolutely yeah. not. Exactly. And while Matt may have talked himself out of a Christmas bonus, we've definitely been talked into putting 22 seconds on the clock. So, Heath, names <laughs> for the LGBTQ-themed zombie movie, go. Oh, uh, we're doing that pun. Puns aren't funny, man. Come on. All right. <laughs> 
Whatever, you go first. You, you uh, go first. All right, I'll take the easy one. Twenty-eight gays later. Okay. <laughs> uh, why has it got to be Black Friday? <laughs> World it's War LGBT. So it's Black Friday is also a zombie. It's not very famous. God damn it. Uh, okay. Um, log cabin Republicans. Sure, sure. Uh, train to Busan. What? Busan. Train to Busan. B- Busi. I'll explain later. All right. Well, now I'm going to have to have Eli explain what a, a bussy is <laughs> off the air. You got pictures, maybe? I do have pictures. Great. All right. Well, Eli, thanks as always. Looking forward to it. Jumanji. <laughs> and when we come back, we have some very important work from the oeuvre of cinematic auteur Eric Hovind. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, HelloFresh. I gotta say, Heath, your idea for taking a vacation ourselves for this last ad was pretty sweet. This is an adorable little beach town we're in for the purpose of this sketch. Right? So, uh, what do you want to do for dinner? Oh, uh, yeah, let me see what's around. Um, checking my phone here. Whoa. Uh, no bars. Oh. Alright, well, I thought I saw a place called Tony's Crab Shack back in town. You want to go there? Ah, I checked there. It turns out that's just a gas station run by a crabby guy named Tony. Oh. Huh. All right. Well, why don't we try HelloFresh? America's number one meal kit? Impossible, say I. Actually, HelloFresh is a great way to eat on a budget, even on vacation. You just update your delivery address and enjoy HelloFresh at your vacation destination with just a click. Plans are flexible, so they work with your changing schedule. So you're telling me I could choose for more than 55 weekly options and take the stress out of meal planning and prepping while I travel? You sure can. From family-friendly to fit and wholesome, and even veggie, HelloFresh has tasty and nutritious meals sure to please everyone. I don't know, Heath. I'm on vacation. What if I want to get fancy? Well, then you should try Hello Custom. Swap out one protein or side for another, upgrade for a more luxe experience, or even add protein to a veggie meal. That means more choices, more variety, and more meals truly tailored to you and your family. I was a HelloFresh customer even before the sponsorship, and I still am. I love how they have gourmet options, as well as super simple 20-minute meals that I personally enjoy and I endorse. All right, Heath, I'm sold on making my summer extra delicious. Where do I sign up? Just go to HelloFresh.com slash scathing16 and use the code scathing16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and... Three free gifts. So I go to HelloFresh.com slash scathing16, and I can use code scathing16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts? That is correct. All right. So did you do that for this trip? Do we get HelloFresh? I did not do that, no. Oh. You want to go to the Crab Shack and buy all the chips? Yeah, let's, let's buy all the chips. Nice. Nice. Dibs on sour cream and onion. What? You can't even eat those. I know. I just want dibs, though. Come on. It's not often that I'm allowed to do intros on this podcast, but Noah's gone this week and Heath took a bathroom break, so I stole his chair and I'm officially the host of the show until the D segment. So Heath, welcome back to the show. What's up? Shenanigans. No, no, no. Fight me for that chair right now. Absolutely not. <laughs> what did Noah say? He said no fighting to the death for his chair in his absence. In his absence, exactly. So did say that. now that my dreams have come true, what have we got for the folks at home to wrap up our show this week, Heath? Well, Eli, as regular listeners already know, over on our sister show, God Awful Movies, we review the worst that Christian cinema has to offer. However, not all Christian propagandists have the attention span for the required 
63 or so minutes to get an Amazon Prime release. And that's why we've got a very special segment we like to call God Awful Minis. Ooh, you know how to do the echoey voice thing? Uh, do you not? Do you not know how to do that? I do not know how to do that. So, what two short... Minis, minis, minis. So, what two short for Filmic Stature video will we be breaking down today, Heath? We watched the highly requested, long-awaited Night at the Creation Museum. It's the story of a staunch atheist security guard in Kentucky mm-hmm. who gets converted to young earth creationism while taking a nap. And me, how bad? No, no, was you, this you, movie? you don't have to do that. You can just tell us how bad it is. I got it. I got it. How bad was this mini? Me? Thank okay. you. Me? It was yep. bad. Thank you. Smooth. Go. Nailed it. Done. Cool. Yep. I really miss Noah. Yeah, it's a three-hander. <laughs> so, we're going to start this mini with a really long intro showing the inside of this creation museum, but the music is pretty sure we're seeing the inside of an, like an old-timey widget factory. Yeah, I went, I went with, in, in Santa's workshop, nobody wants a union. <laughs> also, can I just say, this museum has a lot of mobility scooters. Like, a lot. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love accessibility. But the the uh, the sheer amount of mobility scooters we see in this opening shot is breathtaking. It's aggressive. It's like they give them out, like, bowling shoes. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, every single person is getting one of those things. It's there, a giant line. There's a reasonable argument to be made that the Creation Museum is mostly mobility scooters. <laughs> so... Yeah, we see the front of this creation museum. We also see the main character. It's a, a, the new security guard at the creation museum. He pulls up to the place in a uh, a late model Camaro. He's a security guard who is very well compensated yep. at his other jobs, I guess. He's got seriously, it's it's yellow and black. It's it's Bumblebee. He's driving Bumblebee, like that exact Camaro. We're really close to it. Yeah. So that was confusing. Anyway, he walks in past. The giant line of rascal scooters, and he meets Jim, his boss, at the museum. Okay, so I I had to do some digging to figure this out. Apparently, in the Creation Museum, the fact that this guy Jim is relatively tall is like a big joke that they do in a bunch of their videos. I literally only learned this because other people who have reviewed Night at the Creation Museum were like, yeah, I've watched a bunch of their shit. They all talk about how tall Jim is. Jim is like 6'2". Jim is not like 97 feet tall. But that's why none of this opening makes sense, is it's supposed to be about how tall Jim is, but we don't get the They're introducing their Carl the Puck of Pegacorn. What? You know how they shoot it weird so that it looks like Derek's super short and Jim's super tall? Oh, that's the weird classic. angle. Okay, and so you're saying this guy Jim is not a really talented actor, but in fact, <laughs> this is a real guy who works no, he's in the industry. inside industry. Yeah, believe it or not. Okay, not not an equity showcase this particular. Point. Okay, I also like that. Uh, so Derek is the name of the security guard. <laughs> this is played by Eric Hovind. He needed a character name that rhymes with his real name <laughs> t- to understand what was happening on set. Sure, and um, then. Jim, the boss, is like, hey, so um, why don't you tell me about yourself as we walk in? And we get the saddest thing right away. He asks him, 
hey, you know, uh, what, what's your life all about? And Derek is like, I'm separated from my wife. I barely see my son, so I moved close enough that I get to see him once in a while. And also, God is dead. I'm an atheist. And that's our introduction to Derek's character. I honestly wanted Jim to be like, I was just making small talk. Those are the exits. All right, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> also, can, can I just say, they walk Derek around here and show him all the entrances and exits and what his job is. I feel like Night at the Creation Museum didn't know the risk they were putting themselves in by outlining their entire security detail for me, Eli Foster. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. Legally, not you want to. You want to do a little job on the creation? Oh, I want to do a job on the creation. I will drop in on a rope any time you want. Drop in on a rope of my own semen. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing: if you, I think I can say this legally. Andrew, get in the time machine and stop me if I can't. Interesting. If you on anything in the creation museum, they'll probably shut down the whole museum forever. (laughs) Like, they don't have the emotional preparedness for that. I think that's accurate, and I don't think they're... They, you can't be breaking... You said if. if You're just saying if one... And I'm not saying one, you should. I'm if not somebody, you not should. us, if a person did that, they would have to shut down. I think you probably shouldn't. I think in most scenarios... And I'm I'm not afraid to say this. Did you say most? Of, most scenarios, you shouldn't... On the creation Okay, uh, our official position is all, but that's just a true thing that if one did, I feel like they'd have to shut down. I exactly. Think that's, that's fair. Hypothetically. Okay. So, <laughs> they finish their weird conversation and they get to his desk. This is the security desk where Derek's going to be working. Jim explains like, okay, so there's a list right here that describes your job. It's be at this desk and don't sleep. So that's like the entire <laughs> job. So Jim finally leaves for the night. And Derek starts looking at stuff. <laughs> My favorite part is not Derek. Eric Hovind, the real person, very clearly got distracted by the the clicker thing in real life. The oh clicker my God, that would like keep so track good. of the little keep track of people, people people coming in, like the umpire might have for balls and strikes, but like you know for people coming to the museum. Yeah. And can we just say this is a thirty minute short movie? I would say a solid five is just Eric Hovind, like, playing with the loudspeaker at the Creation Museum as much as he always wanted. One might argue that the reason for this movie is Eric Hovind wanted to mess with the loudspeaker at the Creation Museum. (laughs) Okay, well, they probably should have just kept doing that because from there... He walks through the Creation Museum, and we see some of the stuff on the goddamn walls of this place. Here's a few of the things that we see just in one little clip. All the sentences on the wall of the Creation Museum are a great way to get me to block you on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, here's four examples that I actually wrote down that I saw in one hallway. Right next to each other. Yeah. It said, are humans and apes related? Stupid question. But if you ask me that, yep, you have to go away. <laughs> yeah. Was there a global flood? Also wow. stupid question. Did dinosaurs and humans coexist? The stupidest question. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> the very next thing on the wall, literally exactly these words, are human races equal? Ooh. Question mark. <laughs> Yikes. Okay, ballpark, Heathleton, look into your heart. How many people are disappointed by the answer at the Creation Museum? <laughs> oh, knowing their audience, some, right? right? Yeah, we'll get to it. The Creation Museum will try to explain why, like, 
they have an answer to that that's not <laughs> racist. But yeah, definitely some people are like, oh, I was expecting like a nice supremacist answer to that, <laughs> which they don't get. No. It's a really bad answer still. We'll get there. Yeah. We also passed something where <laughs> this is their thing. This is Ken Ham's thing. There's something called observational science. Science is what that's called. And then his version of science called historical science, which yeah. is different because it's older. So you can't have the same science rules <laughs> now when you're talking about old stuff. So he's not wrong when he says the entire universe is 6,000 years old. Yeah. If, you, if you're wondering where you've heard the term historical science before, it was um, as Bill Nye the Science Guy was pile-driving Ken Ham into the floor of that creation auditorium. Oh, yeah. There's a great vi- – the very next video when I watched this was Bill Nye going through right. the art park with Ken Ham. <laughs> it was kind of fun. He shouldn't have debated him, though. That was dumb. No, it was a bad idea. Okay, so – from there, from the are all races equal and can we do science differently now because the rules are different? What's your definition of science? What do you, what do you mean science? <laughs> yeah. After that little part, Eric, the security guard, sees Adam and Eve and he's just like, two naked people. Huh. So he's he's naming the stuff he sees out loud to himself as he walks through the museum and he passes some more naked people and he's like, more naked people. And... That was Adam and Eve at, like, a water park in that that has a sex grotto, like an adult-themed water park, I guess? <laughs> is that part of Eden in the that's, Bible? That's certainly what he thinks it is. He's like, oh, okay, so it's like a kink museum. Oh, I thought this place was lame. Nice. They got a, they got a <laughs> fuck tub. I got to check that out later. Okay. Kind of piqued my interest, I got to be honest. Then we get to what we were talking about before. He comes back to the sign that says, are all the human races equal? Mm-hmm. And he stops. And we watch him be like, wait, are are they equal? So here's the explanation from the Creation Museum, as far as I understand it. They're saying that, like, in evolution theory, different races evolved. But in creationism theory, we're all white. You're a bigot. <laughs> yeah. Is that their answer? To be clear, what they haven't written on the plaque is... The racist evolutionist wants you to believe that all the races are different. But one race just got died because a guy misbehaved on the ark, everybody. Relax. <laughs> okay. But that's what they're saying. We all started as Adam and Eve, who were, of course, Caucasian people. Mm-hmm. And that's less racist because it's not different races that right. are better or worse than their head. Exactly, yeah. Wow. Okay. So he walks past that finally, he gets back to his desk, and he plays with the PA system some more. Yep, we get some more bits. And, okay, I, I was never more angry during this stupid fucking movie than right now. I, even more so than just a moment ago when they were, like, maybe ranking races unironically. I would say this is a best worst if we were going to do best worst. Sure. Best worst letting Eric Hovind do some improv because <laughs> he gets on the PA system and he does the opposite of improv. He does movie quotes, but he does the opposite of improv wrong. He get, he says, you killed my father. Prepare to die. Luke, I am your father. <laughs> so he conflated the princess bride and Empire Strikes Back and yes. he got Empire wrong. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm I'm guessing that either he hasn't seen those movies, right, because he's a crazy Christian and hasn't been allowed to see anything mainstream, or he thinks those lines are from the same movie. <laughs> I, was, I was really mad. I stopped it here, and I was as angry as I've been, yes. And then he decides, all right, I'm going to take a nap because, you know, I'm here for the whole night, whatever, nobody's here. And he says to himself, napping doesn't count as sleeping, and Jim told me not to sleep. Napping doesn't count. That's crazy. That's right? That's just crazy right. person. Okay. This, this, he has a head injury. This character now has like okay. a, a <laughs> grievous head injury. The backstory is filling in. So he does take a nap for a second here. And then there's a loud noise and he wakes up from the nap. Or does he? Okay. Good question. You want to just go ahead and spoil it? He's in a dream now. <laughs> I, yeah. you know what? I do feel comfortable spoiling Night of the Creation Museum. Yeah. yeah. Okay. For anyone holding out, I'm sorry I ruined your experience of yeah. Eric Hovind's 30-minute YouTube video. Apologies all around. Yeah, He's exactly. in a dream now. So he gets up from his desk, and there's a washing machine sound that he mm-hmm. follows. Yeah. But it turns out that's just <laughs> that's just what the movie decided was good music to describe musically fake evolution, I guess, because that's what he's going to look at now, some exhibits, and he's going to become... A believer in Christianity eventually and no longer an atheist. But he starts atheist. To be clear, the rest of this movie will be him stumbling around the Creation Museum, being scared by the exhibits at the museum they want you to come visit. Yeah. He actually pop scares himself several times here with the bug displays. He does, yeah. But that's that's not how pop scares work. Mm -hmm. So he's just like... A bug display in front of him, and he runs all the way up to it even closer and puts his face next to it. We watch him pop scare himself. It's so stupid. Okay, well, from there, we have to talk about the Holocaust section, do we not? The problem of evil section of the Creation Museum. Yeah, and they slow roll it, which kind of makes it worse because, yeah, it is the problem of evil section, which is dumb enough, but... All we see at first is that they have a Holocaust section in their creation museum. In their creation museum. But yeah, he he wanders up to that, and this is where Jim reappears, and Jim is like, hey, you checking out our super problematic problem of evil section of our children's (laughs) creation museum? And he's like, yeah, man, why the fuck would you Christians bring up things like 9-11 and the Holocaust? And he's like, oh, um, we blame all these things on evolution. And then Eric's like, Okay, but you also have a picture of a lady doing heroin, and he's like, yeah, we just kind of took the pictures we could find. (laughs) Okay, but just to be clear, evolution happened on God's watch if Jim, the Christian guy at the Creation Museum, is saying evolution is at fault. So they have a section about the intelligent design master plan that includes the Holocaust and 9-11 and heroin use. Yeah. Okay. And then, literally, because, like, they both pause for a minute, like, well, those weren't very good answers. So Jim snaps, <laughs> and they teleport to a different argument. Yeah, so Jim snaps, and they teleport from there to the monkey display with Lucy, the, I don't know, what, like, 3.2 million-year-old fossil that we found in 1974 of an early hominin. The not-missing link. Yeah. Right. So let's be clear what the point right. he's trying to make with this moment is. He's like, you know... Lucy was actually just a monkey, not a whatever they think she is. And she doesn't, they didn't find any foot bones with her, but they put human feet on her. 
as though the fucking scientists at wherever they keep Lucy <laughs> were just like, I don't know. I think it fits us better if she's like half fish and half man. You know, you know what? Let's do human feet. Let's. Do I human did Donkey feet. Kong feet. Should, oh no, our narrative. It's better if we do human feet. Just plain old normal modern human feet. Obviously, not, not what they actually did. Also, I think it's just that we didn't have the whole skeleton yeah, fossilized. Exactly. We had like forty percent of it, so we like made a ballpark estimate, and we were correct. Because we found other ones since 1974 of that approximate yeah, thing. He yeah. acts as though it was an aesthetic choice, like we just tossed monkeys on there. And and to prove that, by the way, right next to the monkey, he's got an exhibit where he's like, I mean, if you take a monkey skull, you can make pretty much anything you want. If you think about it, that's an exhibit at their museum. An exhibit at their museum is you can make a <laughs> monkey skull look like whatever you want it to look like. Ape, person, Decepticon, it's all just art. And that's, no, but like seriously, they have like the same skull dressed up in like different types of fur, but then one like a person with human eyes. It's so dumb. So from there, to bolster his point, Jim takes Derek to an exhibit about racist old timey zoos from way back in the day where they put people in cages because they thought those people looked like early hominids. And that's true but just super duper irrelevant also yeah not science and for some reason they point that out in the movie right eric hovind is like yeah no that's that was bad but that that has no reflection on the truth of evolution does it and jim's like fuck let's go to the planetarium you know what i I have i have a question about stars uh you you got me on that one but what about stars shit i lost an argument in my own movie that i made for some reason (laughs) Yeah, so from there, they teleport to the planetarium section of the Creation Museum. And can I say, look, it is hard to feel empathetic for anybody in this movie. But you know who I do feel empathetic for? Who's that? Planetarium guy. Oh, you like Planetarium guy? Because Planetarium guy has the the most obvious lies to try to spill. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Look, the whole like we don't know about monkeys and but that like we they just do god of the gap shit, right? Fucking sure. they're like, "Yeah, you can make a monkey skull look like anything." This guy's like, "Now you might be wondering, aren't the basic mathematical principles of the universe true?" Let me tell you, maybe the speed of light is wrong. Okay. Or <laughs> Or, you have exaggeration. You have two options. The speed of light is wrong, or the speed of light is changing. Imagine that being your job. Imagine that being your job. Okay. Alex, uh, Jones's, Alex Jones's lawyers got nothing <laughs> on the guy who's like, maybe the speed of light is wrong. This guy has a cell phone with texts being like, I have to try to fucking explain that the speed of light is moving around sometimes. That's my job today. So, But he literally says that. He's like, so... Eric, the atheist, for now, you're probably wondering how light could go billions of light years in 6,000 years. And I was like, sure am. Yeah, I would like to know that, too. (laughs) I am. And he actually says the speed of light used to be probably super fast then. So it makes sense now. Please don't do any math. He also points points out that light years... Those aren't units of time. They're units of distance. And Eric, the security guard, is like, oh, right. But, like, 
what do they think a speed is made of? Speed is distance over time. So like that's that's what those things. You know, are. Han shot first in the first Star Wars movie. <laughs> if I say enough true things after the thing I believe, will you believe that they're related and let me go? Okay, just to be clear, yes, some science theoretical physicists have proposed the idea. There's this thing called the horizon problem, and they've proposed the idea that maybe at the very beginning of the universe, light was faster. None of those theoretical physicists are saying that the universe happened 6,000 years ago, and the fast light from then explains everything. One of None the, of them are saying that. What, one of the only things I think we could get all of those scientists to agree on is that it wasn't God the wizard. <laughs> right. Their narrative, the creationist narrative, is... God thought to himself, okay, they're, they're probably going to ask about stars like 6,000 years from now, some like atheist guy, and, oh, fuck, I already decided on a really big size for the universe. I got to speed this light up and then oh, I'll slow yeah. it back down when it gets to close yeah, to that. It's like no. a tower defense game where you can speed up the bad guys coming. God did that <laughs> with light. Uh, so, yeah, he wipes all the sweat off of his face from saying that the speed of light is wrong, a thing that has been mathematically proven. And then he's like, okay, well, it's a big universe, and a big universe would take a very powerful God. And I think we can all agree that my God is very <laughs> powerful. I said big twice. You should shut your fucking mouth. I said big. We all agree big <laughs> makes your thing impossible. Powerful. And then Eric, the atheist security guard, is like, I don't know. I don't know. That's crazy. Hey, man. Everything you just said is crazy. You don't have shoes, though. Literally. Li they distract us with the fact he's like, why aren't you wearing shoes? And then he's like, I hit you with a teddy bear. And he hits you with a teddy bear for a super okay. long time. Again, it sounds like we're just making shit up. No. We are not. You don't have shoes. I don't like shoes. I hit you with a teddy bear. That is the exact sequence of events that happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, can I throw out there that the arguments are the speed of light is wrong. Uh, the Big Bang was as much of a miracle as creation is. My universe is Hi. big and big and thick. Therefore, my God is big and thick. Hit you with a teddy bear. <laughs> hit you with a teddy bear is the best argument that this man presents to us. Yeah, okay, it seemed crazy at the time, but you're right. That was a solid close to the science argument, given what happened earlier in that science argument from the creationism planetarium guy. Yeah, that's rough. Okay, I do feel bad for that guy now. You're right, he had the hardest <laughs> job for sure. So we watch, seriously, this guy pulls out a teddy bear and starts kind of hitting Eric Hoven with a teddy bear. For a Eric while. Eric kind of kind of hits back, and then he gets hit again, and he gets mad in real life, mm -hmm. Eric Hovind. Yeah, we watch Eric Hovind fight a teddy bear. And he fights a teddy bear for a, a good... A while. Minute? Minute and a half? Solid minute. Solid, solid Christian minute. minute. Absolutely. <laughs> so, after getting mad in real life about kind of losing that fight with a teddy bear, Eric Hovind runs out of the planetarium. And then... A dinosaur furry sneaks up on him, right? Yeah. So we watch him. You watch him get chased by a dinosaur for a second, right? Because night at the museum, they're ripping off right. that movie, so that's what happens. Like they're trying to do their homework last minute. Shit, getting chased by a dinosaur. That was in that movie. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> we spent a lot of time with the shoeless planetarium guy. <laughs> so he runs away from the dinosaur furry, and then he comes into a room, and then Jim pops back, and he's going to show Derek some dinosaur stuff now. And he shows him Ebenezer. That's the name of one of the dinosaur fossil recreations they have. 
And the, the whole point of this section is, okay, what about fossils? Fossils are millions of years old. They're incredibly demonstrably old. And he was like, nope. Fossils, tell me if I'm wrong here, Heath. Fossils are what happens when the whole world floods. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, you're correct. That's the narrative from creationism. Jim, the creationist guy, is like, oh, you think fossils are millions of years old? Describe fossils right now or else the Bible is true. <laughs> and you watch Derek, the atheist security guard, be like, fuck, that's, you're right. If I can't do that, the Bible is true. And he says, because he doesn't really know, he's like, fossils are old leaves, <laughs> mud mud and leaves. Right. And Jim's like, they're not old leaves. 